want to get service, selection, and price so low. The record archive is the place to go. How'd that happen? I don't know. That's insane. It is insane. The season of the quarantine. So we kicked off season three with a brand new song from Anthropic. That's right. An exclusive. An exclusive brand new song. Mm -hmm. Fear Driven Conformity. Yes. Off of their release, Architects of Aggression, that is scheduled to be released April 24th. Looking forward to it. So cool. Yes. Thanks for sharing that with us, Brian. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Letting us play it. Yeah, so this is kind of a fun story. It is. So we have a um, really cool interview today, Mm -hmm. kicking off season three with a bang. Uh, King Fowley Mm -hmm. from Deceased in October 31. Mm -hmm. And uh, Brian Pattison is mentioned later on in the interview with King. So we reached out to Brian and said, hey, it'd be really cool to tie everything together. We love to showcase our local bands. Mm. If we could play Anthropic. Mm. And he said, actually, there's a new track on the new release that King does backup vocals on. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Which is Fear Driven Conformity. Yep. So. Love it. Yeah. Full circle. Yep. All came together. It was meant to be. Yeah. Um, I had a shit ton of fun talking to King. Yeah, me too. He's smart and entertaining, passionate. Yeah, yeah, opinionated. Yeah, just a great guy. Yeah, he, very, very much so. Um, so how about we kick off with a deceased song and then go right into the interview? Let us do that. What are we going to hear? We're going to hear Mrs. Allardyce. And that's off of Ghostly White.
you doing, brother? Good. How you doing? I'm okay, man. Running around like a clown, like I was telling you uh, yesterday. I'm always doing a bunch of shit. You want to wear uh, trapped inside this fucking cave of life? <laughs> <laughs> Is now a good time for you? Oh yeah, everything's great. Uh, I set it all aside for you, man. No problem at all. Perfect, perfect. Uh, can you hear us okay? Yeah, I can. Hear you, I think I can hear you pretty good so far. I got a pretty cheap phone, so I mean, you, you might you might not be able to hear me, although I am a loud motherfucker. So. No, you're, <laughs> you're good. You're good. Cheers to you both. Thanks. Thanks a lot for the support, man. We definitely appreciate it. Oh, thank, you. thank you. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Cheers. How's everybody doing? You guys good too? We're good. You, Stay you out of this fucking crazy shit. This is the weirdest shit, man. We were, just, man, we were on the 35th anniversary of our of the C stand. We had all these shows booked, just starting to roll. We were just getting ready to unleash them all, and then all this stuff happened. And we like we got to play one show. We took a, we took a hundred days off in the last year, and we had like the first show back, and then we were just getting ready to start rolling and announce all these shows, and this shit happened. So we had to cancel everything, and we don't even know. As you guys are probably the same boat, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. They may open the gates in two weeks, or they might not open the gates for a year. Who knows you know i know it, it seems like they keep pushing it farther and farther out yeah they don't know what to do because they think because the problem is you know they're having all this luck so far with you know everybody things chilling down with some people staying in the house but yeah. the problem is you know everybody back out it's going to go back up again and they're not going to know what to do yeah my suggestion is just to get that antibody test go and see who's had it and if you have give everybody a card or some kind of like x on their forehead or something and <laughs> yeah. let them know and the rest of the people just kind of wait it out you know yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy it's just it is crazy. It's just who thought this in our lifetimes. I mean, I know I'm a fucking old fart, but goddamn, I was just like, this is crazy. Like even like my my stepfather, who's like in his seventies, he's like, man, there's nothing like this ever happened. And guess what? About the early 1900s or something. So it's been a while since we've had something this crazy, but I'm dealing with it. We're okay. We're just we're just hanging. Me and my wife and my my uh, stepfather actually lives with us. Uh, just hanging inside, really. I mean, I've been going out doing some things, but around here in, in the Philadelphia area, it's just weird as shit because a lot of people are out. Like down here, there's people playing basketball and stuff. And I'm really? just like, what the fuck? <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. Every day. Wow. Every day. Like, it's really bad <laughs> down there for you guys, too, isn't it? It is really bad. It's like, well, in in the Philly area, it's really bad. I'm out I'm about 20 minutes outside of Philly where I'm at. It's a little, it's still pretty weird here in Montgomery County, too, but they've had some deaths over here. But they just down in, down in Philly. It's like it's it's like a small you know uh, version of New York. There's just a lot of people in a small area, and there's a lot of homeless down there, and there's a lot of drugs. Like there's this one street. It's called Kensington Avenue, and there must be at least I'd say at least two thousand heroin addicts living on these streets down there on this underneath the uh, the subway, and they're just all out there, and it's they have nowhere to go. Wow. And you know, some of the people up here tried to give these people hotels and stuff, but then some of the hotels were like, we're not putting heroin addicts in our hotels. You know yeah. yeah so it's like you try to help you can't help these people don't want to be helped and then you know they want money and you know what these checks and everything they want something for nothing and it's just it's just it just shows you where the humanity is a lot of a lot of you know shady shit going on in the world from the from the politics all the way down to the heroin addicts of the streets it's just it stinks you know life is life i mean i i, I love my life i love and enjoy the hell out of living but when you see it you know through the real you know the real goggles of life it's pretty fucked up you know it is it's really <laughs> fucked up it is right, but we're we're dealing with it. I mean, I'm still a happy guy. I'm still uh, smiling. <laughs> hey, that's all you can hold on to at this that's point. That's all you can do, right? <laughs> right on. So, what's going on with deceased currently? I mean, you said you were gearing up for a bunch of shows. What are you What are you guys doing now that that's been shut down? Are you still writing and practicing, or? Well, 
yeah, uh, to give you some backstory with the CC days, because people are so, totally out of the loop, including some of the guys in the band. Uh, <laughs> we um, basically when we when we write material, for the most part, it's me and the guitar player Mike Smith. He doesn't play live. He hasn't played live since two thousand and six. He actually lives right now. He he lives in um, overseas, and he lives in Jordan, like right outside of I think it's Turkey. Oh wow! He's a he's a government guy, and uh, he's had a massive, really important government job for years, which is one of the reasons he retired from playing live. He had a lot of like he spent like three, four, five years. Most of those, I'd say, the last yeah, like seven or eight years, like like five of those years living overseas. Like he's been in Iraq and all these crazy places and stuff. But me and him write the song, so when he would come back. He would, uh, we would get together now. I live in Pennsylvania. Our one guitar player lives in uh, D.C., Maryland border. Mike lived in Virginia when he lived in the States. And uh, our bass player that plays on the album's left, he lives in Texas. So me and Mike would get together with Shane, us three. We would have no bass player, and I would play the drums. I still write all the stuff on the drums, even though I don't record this stuff anymore or play live. And we get together and do this stuff. And that's what took so so long with the last record was. It took us like seven years to put that last record, Coastly White, together because of that. Yeah. And uh, and now he's overseas. He's going to be retired, completely retired within two more years. So right now he's just gathering riffs. And we're just, we're, we're not, we're not writing any new material right now. I've got songs ready. I've got ideas. I've got things. He'll send me riffs at some point to the computer and I'll kind of start arranging it in my mind. I'm, I kind of do all the song arrangements and what I call the derangements of stuff when he'll send me something and I'll like, we'll argue about something in a, in a typical, uh, Lennon McCartney <laughs> minus the talent part of it, uh, uh, kind of way. And we'll just kind of work our way to it. Then we'll give the stuff to Shane, the guitar player in DC with us and we'll get together and we'll, we're pretty much like the last record we wrote the whole record without bass not even a bass in the room we don't even use the live bass player in while we're writing because it's kind of it kind of throws us off we have this kind of formula that's worked for us mm-hmm. but what basically what i'm getting at is so when we play live it's basically me we have a drummer amos because you know our i think you know our drummer dave died last year two well two years ago yeah. now so we're in 2020 he died late 2018 he uh he drowned he was in el salvador yeah i read that when, yeah, he went to visit his um, parents in El Salvador, and he was. It's a crazy story with that. He he wasn't even in the water when it's all of a sudden a riptide came and it just shot him into the water and he couldn't wow. swim. Wow. This, this guy this guy lifted weights. He ran the I don't know what that's called the Pika. What's that that fucking mountain in uh, Peru? Oh, oh yeah, Machu Picchu or whatever it's called. <laughs> there you go. I <laughs> yeah, couldn't yeah. even say it or spell it. And uh, he he went and did he did. Did a marathon there just a couple months before that shit, and then he comes back and he couldn't swim, and is with his brother and his mother at the time. Wow. And his brother is a champion swimmer. It's the, the riptide shot him up, up the up the beach, like literally out, shot him away from the water. They were throwing a frisbee at the time, and then the water took him and sucked him in like a hundred yards out to the in the ocean. And he saw him like with his hands, like hey, 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 and he and then the lifeguard said, "I can't let you go out there. You're going to drown too." Oh wow! I say, "Well, hope for the best." And they were trying to yell at him, and he obviously couldn't hear him, and he he went under. And then they didn't think he was even going to show up. The, the lifeguard even told him. He told me the story. His brother uh, Julio. He said uh, the lifeguard said usually the sharks eat them, and uh, the, luckily the body shot back up to sh- uh, to the to the shore, and they got to have him a burial. They buried him in El Salvador, which is his home country and stuff so anyway so amos uh, came in last year and uh he lives in atlanta so we're all over the fucking place so basically what we're doing right now is we're staying in our houses when we get back together and uh, we're going to try to add some more songs to what we were trying to get this 35th anniversary tour uh you know all kind we're gonna be all over the place this year if it works out we've had you know 
ideas to just shoot down. We were going. Our, our next shots were Atlanta. We were going to a two week, uh, two shows in Florida. We had a DC. We had a Philly show. And then we were going to start shooting out to like Minnesota and just working our way out. And all this is. Some of them have already given up. Uh, some of the promoters, some of the places have shut down, and we just don't know what to do. Some of them, we had airplane travel ready to go and things like that. So we're just kind of guessing as far as that goes. But we're 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 at the ready. We got a list of songs. Everybody's doing their homework, so to speak, at home. And then once uh, this year gets through, and we hopefully get to do all that and do what we want to do by next year, uh, Mike will be back at some point, uh, at least even to visit. And we'll start jamming the new record. This is pretty much the second year in a row with no new tunes since Ghostly White and uh. Mm. 18 mm -hmm. so right now we're just kind of doing our thing you know just just have to kind of ride that out and just play to do the live thing once we're able to go out of the house again mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is there a chance of you coming back to rochester on uh the the tour when it happens uh, yes yeah. um there is um I, I, we're looking at a few things here uh dealing with steve uh, with steve i, I know for a fact if, if we're allowed to go back out this year, he wants to bring October 31, my other band, up there to play. And I told him for sure that. And I was going to take Rochester off this year because we played two years in a row in Rochester. And we kind of, you know, some of the times it's limited with what we can do on weekends and things yeah. like that. But it's looking like maybe later this year, we, we kind of have some ideas, maybe, maybe around early October coming up that way. So there is a good, I would say it's probably a 75% chance we are going to come back up through there this year. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. We'll be there. <laughs> right on yeah i enjoy that place was it the bug jar right yeah yep. yeah it's <laughs> a crazy place with that damn weird bug in the, over the bar <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm set up with all my merch in the corner all night just staring at that fucking bug that's weird yeah <laughs> and then we've got a blast there it's fun it's definitely a good time yeah and then in the in the stage area where the bands play the i don't know if you saw the there's like a furniture on the ceiling like a kitchen. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's <laughs> I pretty weird. about that. Yeah, indeed. That's that's a that's a wild room. It is. By the time we get in there and play, where you know we usually, I think last time we played right before Mortuary played. Yeah. And um, and I remember it's just so fucking hot in there, and like yeah. all it's like real, you know, per, uh, there was perspiration all over yeah. the ceiling and shit while yeah. we were in there and stuff. When you go in there by then, it's kind of foggy. That's kind of foggy, you know. You've had three, four bands, and you know that's a kind of a swishy up room there. Yeah. But yeah, definitely, it was some weird shit going on there. <laughs> <laughs> As you guys probably know, you've probably been there a lot more than I'll ever be there. That's Rochester. <laughs> right, right. So what's happening with October 31st? We are writing a new record. It's going to be called Ye Old Peril. And uh, it's like, what did we do the last one? Like six years ago? Um, our guitar player, Brian's getting pretty old and he's starting to have like little signs of things like Parkinson's disease or something. It runs in his family. He's starting to get the shakes and things. He's 56. Or I don't want that. Maybe he's 55 or 54. I don't want to make him any older than he has to be. <laughs> um, but he's been, he's been going through some stuff. We're, we're, we're planning to get a new record out this year and play out some this year. Like I said, we were, we're definitely trying. There's there even, even with 75% for deceased, I think October 31 is about 90, 95%. As long as we can come out of the house we're going to come through Rochester, but we're trying to play a few more shows this year. We, we haven't had a steady drummer for a long time, and it's a weird situation. When we started October 31, which was 95, which mm -hmm. was at 25 years ago now, I wanted to just form a band where I could just play drums, mm -hmm. and I wanted to have a singer. I wanted to get a real singer 
I'm not a singer. I can, I can, I can entertain. I can have fun. Deceased is more my thing. You know, it's a lot of screaming and stuff like that. I, that's more my style. And of course, as you get older, all your singing you might've had in you is going to be tore up from going to deceased kind of things. But <laughs> I wanted to basically originally just play drums, but we couldn't find anybody to sing this thing. And we wanted to do this heavy metal thing in 95 when it was really a bad word. Then heavy metal was just bad words. And, uh, so I went ahead and sang. I said, well, let me see how I sound clean. Because when I was a kid, I used to sing. I could sing the fucking Queensryche and all that shit when I was a kid. No joke. And um, I just did it. I was like, well, I got a little left in this thing. So we did a demo, and uh, it went over really well. And the next thing you know, we got offered a deal with this label, R.I.P. Records. And then that album came out in 97, The Fire Awaits You. Mm -hmm. And it got over to Europe. And all of a sudden, people were like, oh, my God, there's, this is the uh, second coming of American metal in October 31 and this and that. And I, we, were, we were blown away. Now, here I'd been at that point, what, 12, 13 years with Deceased mm -hmm. already. And all of a sudden, Metal Blade comes calling. They want to sign us. Metal Blade Records out of the blue. And I'm like, this is fucking weird. Mm -hmm. And then Vakken calls us. And they're like, we want you to play at the, the Vakken Fest in Germany. So we went over there around, I think it was 2000, 2001, and played to like 40,000 people. And they knew nice. the fucking songs. They sang the songs. It was weird. That's and I'm cool. thinking, fucking deceased been busting our balls all these years. And we're, <laughs> you know, this, this, this October comes out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And this happens. Mm -hmm. And now during this time, we had played a couple shows finally between 95 and 2000. Well, we got a, we got a guy to come sing for us. The first shows I said, I just want to, I just want to play drums. I do not want to fucking sing. <laughs> so the first couple of shows we had this guy and he was a fun guy on stage, but he couldn't sing a lick. I mean, he, you know, he, <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne would laugh at him. That's all. <laughs> That's how bad it was. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, so we, we got another guy that could sing his ass off. That was like literally like a Dickinson, Jeff Tate kind of guy in their heyday. And this mm. guy was great, mm. but he was a terrible front man. He was just singing and shut up. Mm. And he played one show in North Carolina. We had, which was his hometown. And we had a huge thing. It was crazy. It was unbelievably good. But the following week we went up here and played in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And it was a bust. It was like eight people there or something. And he immediately got this, this, this like, Oh, I don't want to do this. Like can't be driving 10 hours to play to eight people and stuff. And he didn't realize how you got to, you know, mm. put your foot down and just, just do it. I mean, I've played to 50,000 people and I've played to the wall. It doesn't matter to me. I'm there to entertain myself and I get it. Yeah. Some people just can't get it or they don't want to get it. Yeah. So he, he literally quit. And, we, and it was fucked up as we had just played that show in North Carolina and it was it was like oh man we're gonna go to fucking Vock and we're gonna kill and then the next fucking week which was maybe two months before we were supposed to play Vock and he fucking literally quits wow. and I'm like well what the fuck are we gonna do now and they're like you're gonna have to sing from the drums like you do with the things I said man I can't do that shit well you know sing 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 like this and they're like what do we do and I said I don't know so I had a friend which was Dave that was ended up in deceased later on I had a friend who played in this band called Hatred I said dude can you fucking play drums in Germany in two months can you learn all this material and come play and he's like I guess. <laughs> and I said to myself, well, I guess I'll be the front man. I, now, my whole life, I, I'd always said, you know, I've just been behind a drum set with my butt cheeks to the drum stool, fucking <laughs> playing shows and entertaining from there, you know, which was always kind of weird because I have so much energy. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to get up and run around and be in the front of and shit with the seats, but I was always at the drum stool at the time. Yeah. So we, we, we literally had a weekend. He learned everything about four or five days before we were supposed to go there. He finally got it all down because he was a heavy worker and mm -hmm. all of this stuff. So, 
the guitar players, the first, we could, it came down, we jammed once. The guitar players lived 500 miles away from us. They lived in North Carolina. It was me, Jim on, on bass, and then Dave. We were all Virginia boys, but the two guitar players lived like the furthest part of North Carolina you could live from Virginia. <laughs> and so they came down once, and we ran through everything, and it wasn't bad. And I was like, oh, we're going to go over there and play to like a bunch of people and be eh. I was like, I don't want to be eh. I want to be as best we can be. Yeah. So then Dave goes, what do we do? The next day, Dave goes, what do we do? I said, here's what we fucking do. We go downstairs. We got Jim on bass. We got you on drums. I'm going to take the fucking microphone and I'm going to play all the guitar parts. With, I'm going to just basically scream them into the microphone. Like I'll play the riffs with my mouth. <laughs> wow. So we literally, we literally did that. Like I remember that Tuesday and that Wednesday of that week. We practiced for hours and hours. I'm just like, gong, 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 you know, doing the riffs from the fuck into the PA. <laughs> and Dave's like, man, you won't believe how much this helped me. And we were really, we were, we were pretty tight. I was like, fuck, believe those guys. I will play as a three piece. But no. <laughs> so we, we, we met those guys in Germany and we went and we fucking played this show. And it was the very first time I ever was out front singing for any band just out front and it was the first time Dave had ever played drums for October 31. And this was in front of that. There was literally 40,000 people there wow. when we played. That's crazy. And we went over amazing. So I know I'm getting sidetracked for you were asking what's going on with the band, but we, we basically had this thing. But ever since then, as time's gone on, we've done more records and things and gone through things over the next 20 years. I don't want to sing it. I just don't want to sing anymore. But now everybody's like, oh, dude, you're hilarious. You're the best entertainer ever. And you're fun. And it's okay if you're not the great, great singer. You're good enough and all this shit. And I'm like, just thinking back to that guy of 25 years ago, I just want to play drums. I just want to sit back there and play drums and have somebody that can really sing. Because I'm from the school. I don't know if you guys are, you know, a big uh, 80s, you know, just rock metal kind of things, but I'm a big Triumph fan. I don't know if you know Triumph. Yeah, of course. Maybe. Yes. Uh, okay. Okay. You know, well, like, like a Rick Emmett style of vocal is something I would love to yeah. have. Now, that ain't never going to happen with me. But I was like, if we could get a guy like this, I have ideas in my head for so many heavy metal songs that would just be so catchy and melodic and i don't know i've always i've always told the guys kind of like a foreigner with heavy metal uh, trappings like the songs are instant they're catchy there's choruses there and all this but it, it keeps coming back to this so with this new record they're like dude are you gonna sing again you gotta sing we gotta go on tour and you gotta sing and i was like dude can we please get a fucking singer in here this time <laughs> they're like well, dude you've sang on every record now it would just be wrong you know and i'm just like in this trapping so for the last five years between that and the fact that we don't have a drummer full-time anymore it's just taken so long to put something together because i would really rather write a record with somebody else's vocals in in mind someone that could actually sing but these guys are like no 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 this is the band for better or for worse so it looks like i probably will sing on this record so we're writing accordingly so it's going to be a little bit more, I don't know if you want to say, it's not thrashy or that, but it's a little bit more aggressive when I sing the stuff, just because of how I am with my, my hyperness and stuff. <laughs> but I would love to have a singer in there. We could do something just more, just, just like late 70s priest or early maiden kind of styles, you know, with our own identity amongst it. But we're just we're just holding out too. It's kind of like the deceased camp. We're just waiting and stuff, and then once the shit breaks, we can get out, we can practice, and go play some shows. Hmm. I, I think you're being uh, kind of humble about your vocals. Uh, you definitely are. We were listening to the uh, compilation of all of the covers that you guys have done over the years, and it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. You, you well, thank you. <laughs> I, guess, I guess this virus kills everybody's hearing, huh? <laughs> no, I, 
I've had my day. I've had some times when I wasn't bad. I mean, the truth of the matter is, when I was a kid, like I said, I, 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 I was into Man of War and Iron Maiden and all that stuff as mm -hmm. a kid. I even went and tried out for this band called Maniacs. Oh, yeah. see back back I, in the day. It, was, it wasn't that band. It wasn't oh. the one you're thinking of. It wasn't oh. the one with the, the girl with the guitar in her hand. Oh, no. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, but hey, that's cool. You know that. That makes me happy to yeah. make you know that. That's, you, that's cool. Yeah, they uh, that, that was actually a British band. Okay. But uh, this was a band out of Baltimore, Maryland. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but, uh, but our old, when we started Deceased, I was originally the bass player. And we had my buddy Marcel was the drummer for just a few months until he got his girlfriend and decided that, you know, he wanted to go on down the road. And so, but anyway, he goes, dude, there's this ad in the papers. You got to see it. This band's called Maniacs, dude. And they're fucking, they want to do accept uh, covers and Man of War and Iron Maiden. There ain't nothing like this shit in our area. You're talking 1983, okay? 84. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, they, I, so I called them and they're like, yeah, you know all this stuff? I said, dude, any song you say, I know I know it. They were like, they wanted to do like Scorpions. It, it was Accept. It was Man of War. It was, uh, what else did they have that day? Uh, I can't remember. Oh, in Queensryche. It was it was Queen of the Reich at the time. Mm. So they said, do you, can you sing like this? I said, yeah, man, I could sing like that. So I practiced it for a couple of weeks. Then they came and picked me up. This is where it gets funny. Then they came and picked me and my buddy Marcel up, and we went up there. And I played, and we I remember we did Queen of the Reich. We did Battle Hymns for Man of War. Nice. We did Faster the Shark from Accept. We nice. did... Um, we did um, Dynamite and Blackout from Scorpions. Nice. And I think we did Hallowed Be Thy Name, Iron Maiden. Those were like the six we did. They were like, dude, you're killer. You're in. Now, I'm a big guy. When I was a kid, I was older than I looked at my school. I was 16 at the time for this. So I told the guy, they're like, yeah, man, we're going to be playing Hammerjacks and all the big bars. And I looked at him and I said, <laughs> I'm only 16 years old. <laughs> and they're like, what? And I remember the bass player got so pissed off. He's like, dude, you're the perfect dude for this, but we can't even get you in the club. <laughs> The fucking thing. I, I remember. I can remember this playing this day. He threw his face across the room. He was <laughs> and it was funny because on the way there, I, I kept trying to say, "I said, Marcel, we should say something now, man." You know, he's like, "No, nah, no." Nah. They were like, "Yeah, well, you know, where's your car at? You know, why aren't you driving yourself to Baltimore?" I, I wasn't old enough to drive yet. <laughs> at least, uh, it was close, borderline in it, right? So anyway. I could do that stuff back in the day. And uh, as, as time went on and deceased and all that, and of course you go through drugs and all, I did at least the, the teen years of drugs, and then I got into the drinking. So as it got older and stuff, all that shit just started getting into the thing. And when it came to October 31, which is more of a quote-unquote clean thing, it was even rougher for me. At first it wasn't bad, but then I, I noticed by like 2000, I was still drinking. I haven't drank in 18 years now, but... It, it just was killing me. And, and I'm a music is my drug of choice, of course. Mm. And I was just so disappointed in myself. I'm like, like, I was like, I could hear it in my voice. I'm like, I'm fucking hoarse here. I'm flat here. I'm monotone there. <laughs> and it was more so in the October than the deceased. I do feel pretty proud with the deceased stuff, cause it, especially the, the, the albums of our own material, because it's kind of my own voice. And it's, I, I feel like I've gotten better. I'm looking at the records on the wall here in my living room. I, you know, my little pride possession of my little framed uh, albums. <laughs> and I'm looking and I do can look and say, honestly, looking at of the corpse up to ghostly white through the years that each one it's better you know the lyrics have gotten better that you know the the just the, the overall feel of the voices have gotten better too yeah but i also know sometimes when i'm winging it and when i'm doing the best i can and it's not enough there's stuff that's either not come out or shouldn't have come out like we've done chag panzer covers and things like that it's just fucking oh, bad uh. <laughs> it's just fucking bad <laughs> but the deceased stuff I'll, I'll for the most part if, as you guys are probably listening to what the cadaver traditions is that what it was yeah yeah, the double disc thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah that one. I was uh, the only, the, probably the worst one on there, and, and and I'll even give myself a defense on that was probably like the Running Wild or the Agent Steel, and those were literally recorded. 
18 days after I, I had my stroke. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I love the Agent Steel, by yeah, the way. Yeah, we actually called that, that one out specifically today that we oh, loved really? that okay. one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, well, if you like to do I tried to give it a little when I could, but literally I had just had a stroke. I had a stroke in 2004. And I had just had the stroke, and my body was just like, my mind was like, what are you fucking doing? <laughs> but, uh, hey, if, you're, if, it, if you guys like it, hey, I, I'm my own worst critic, I guess. You know, I'm, I'm Mr. Picky. But I, appre- we definitely, I, I definitely appreciate that. Yeah, I think and it's thank great. You. I'll just keep on doing my thing. My voice has gotten stronger here. I definitely feel better here at almost at 52 than I did at, say, 35, 40. Well, that's, and that's a good because thing. because of the drinking and shit, because I'm just out of hand. Just, but, you know, too much is too much. That's a yeah. good thing. So uh, I, gotta, I put that to bed. I put that to bed in two thousand two off too for sure. Well, congratulations. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Um, so I got a question about. I said October thirty first. I've heard people say October thirty first. You said October thirty one. I've heard that too. Is that the correct way to say it? The, that is the correct thing. And okay. I, I do want to say this: we're we're all so friendly with each other. We usually have a thing, and, it, and of course, I'm just kidding with you. Whenever somebody says October thirty first, we say oh, they're a poser. They don't know the band's called October thirty one. <laughs> I actually was on Facebook two days ago talking about this. Oh shit! Because somebody was saying that, that uh, somebody uh, it was actually um, Albert from Decibel Magazine said. I think it's cool when people type deceased and then dot, dot, dot. Because he didn't know what that meant. I told him it means dead and then we're back. It means like you're dead but alive again. That's what it means. And he was like, why is there three dots there? Is that a mistake? It's not the logo or an early, like a, like, a, like a Kinko's copy machine. You know, like the line got in the paper. I said, no, dude, it's supposed to be there. So then, then the guy said, what happens when they, they call it October 31st? And I said, to him, you know, well, that means they're a poster because it's really October 31. And we did it deliberately to have like this, incorrect English <laughs> kind of way. You know, it was like our Def Leppard, you know, our DES. Well, well, thanks for not calling me out on that. <laughs> you should have, though. But, that, but it is October 31. Now All you right. know. See, that if you ask once, you know forever. <laughs> I remember, um, it, it reminds me kind of of, I, I saw an interview with uh, Tom Warrior a while ago. And they asked him, is it Celtic Frost or Celtic Frost? And he goes, uh, it's whatever you want it to be. <laughs> so I'm glad you had it. I've always said Celtic Frost because I've never heard the Boston Celtics. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And that's what I, that's what I went with as a kid. And I just thought it was Celtic Frost. That's what I, I want it to be. Is. Yeah. <laughs> I've had people, we had this one guy growing up, everything you said was wrong. It wasn't Bathory. It was always Bathory. Bathory. Oh, like, God. It's not pronounced Bathory. It's Bathory. I'm like, I'm like, it's not pronounced fuck you. It's fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck you know, in he life. Was anything. You'd say Sunoco gas, he would say it's Sunoco. <laughs> literally, he would say this shit. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so there's guys like out that, like that out there. Yeah. So um, when, hopefully, October 31 does come to Rochester, is there any chance of you playing Day of the Saxons? Hard to say on that. We haven't played it in so long, and this drummer we have, it may take time for that. I, w- I would say it's probably 10% chance at tops we do. All right. We haven't played that one live since, um, I would say, probably like 2005, four. It, it What it comes down to, we've had, and this stinks, so we've had to keep the, the, when this guy learned the set, he learned the basic stuff, and then he hasn't been able to learn anything since because, again, the 500 miles apart, because our guitar player, now Jim, the bass player used to live in Virginia, he lives 600 miles away. <laughs> He's mm-hmm. even further away. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's just hard for this guy to do things. I mean, you never know. We may end up doing some stuff like that at some point, like bringing a bunch of covers back. We did some stuff at the... Um, uh, what the hell was it? The um, Defenders of the Old in uh, New York a couple years back, and we learned uh, 
we did like Child of the Dam, uh, Warlord cover guy, and then we even did um, we did Torture Me from Omen. Then nice. and uh, he learned some stuff then, which was cool. So it's not it's not a definite no, and it's 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 such an easy song. He could probably learn it in an hour. Yeah. I could just show up and be like, hey, look. These people here, they say October 31, so we got to play it. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd have your reason. That would be the reason. So I'll, I, will, I will definitely uh, shoot for it for you. Well, that's great. Whenever great I see- song, great band. Absolutely, yeah. Whenever I see a, a band covering Witch Killer, I'm, I'm always like, pretty thrilled <laughs> <laughs> it did it did get some people in europe as i said when we did the fire awaits you album got over there they were like they were like seeing that we got like we got it you know what i'm saying um i was wearing the black lace shirt inside the on, on the back of the album which they were like wow these guys are deeper than most of like <laughs> me because at that time it was literally the only bands that were really carrying the torch that were seriously still heavy metal were basically made mm-hmm. i mean priest was doing something totally different then and like you know some of the other bands were just they weren't doing anything or they just, you know, they, they turned their back on metal or they just didn't call it heavy metal anymore. Right. Right. So to have black place and then say, Holy shit, these guys are covering witch killer on their record and shit. They knew we were where we were coming from. It was the eighties, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Did you, uh, did you happen to see uh, maiden on their last tour? I never missed maiden. I think this was my 37th time seeing maiden. Nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah, Voivod is my most fifty-one. Maiden is second with thirty-seven. I think Kiss is like at like nineteen or twenty. Kiss. Those are the ones I never miss. Those three. Nice. And then we can go outside the box and another one of my favorite bands, which will probably throw you for a loop, is No Doubt. I'm a big No Doubt guy. Oh yeah. And I've seen I've seen No Doubt about twenty times since they're like even before they were even big. I mean, they they actually go back to they were they started in eighty-seven. No Doubt did, mm-hmm. and. uh I just been a big fanatic for that band. I, I that was one of my favorite bands that well, most people would call them the '90s band. Yeah, I just always thought they were the cool. I always thought when I saw them play, I was like, all the bands were so depressing of the '90s. It was so much like I call it like shoe staring music. Yeah, like everybody's just whoa, nothing's fun. Yeah. And yeah, sure, their big hit was what with, with "Don't Speak" was a sad ballad and stuff. But they were like to me like a, a bouncy kind of almost like a early 80s new wave-ish kind of thing. I, I saw some B-52s in there. I heard some Blondie in there yeah. and stuff. And of course, they went on to get a little, they got they got a little bit caught up in some dumb shit too as time went on because they got so big. It was like, Hey Baby or even her solo stuff with that damn Hollaback girl, which <laughs> I can't fucking stand. <laughs> but, but, I'm a, but I love the early stuff. I've seen, them, I've seen them play some crazy shit. I saw one show where, where Gwen went to the top of the, she literally climbed up the side of the PA all the way to the top of the fucking arena. She was not supposed to be up there. And I was like, she falls, she breaks her neck. There's no, there's no, there's no uh, net down there. Right. <laughs> and she came down and then another time I saw him and she came off the stage and ran all the way through the arena, all all the way to the back seat in the entire like 20,000 seat arena wow. and she was back there and she had this wireless mic and she's back there talking she goes when I was a fucking kid she goes I would I would go see the police she goes I love the police she goes I grew up with the police she goes I always wanted to be like why won't they come up here and play to me here I'm in the <laughs> shitty you know the, the, well back then it was probably the $20 seats now it's the you know what $220 cheap seats uh, yeah and right. uh <laughs> and there and there she was in the very back seat playing singing to somebody in the last row of the arena and shit and then uh I, I you know I, I would say I'm so into the band I got I'm in the fan club and all this bullshit too so <laughs> she got she got a fucking hundred she got a hundred and seventy five thousand dollars security fine for like going outside of what she wasn't supposed to because obviously anybody could have done whatever to her between here and there she could have broke her neck between there and there but she uh did that shit it was pretty cool they're they're a pretty down to earth band I've got some uh 
good friends. I actually went to meet him one night, and uh, my brother was with me in New York, and he wouldn't let my brother in. I just couldn't fucking leave him, so I'm like, son of a bitch. So <laughs> missed that opportunity, but so what? But those are the bands I've seen the most. And yes, I did see Maiden Last Door, and I loved them. I think Book of Souls is the best record by anybody in the last 10 years. Mm. Nice. I'm a fanatic. Some people hate it. Some people are like, dude, that maiden sucks now. <laughs> I have my buddy Steve, he's a maiden, tattoos all over his arms. He's got the license plate. He's like, this all sucks, dude. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I played it 134 times in a row. I love it. <laughs> you can't say they suck did live. Did you see him too? Yeah, yeah, we did. We saw him in Buffalo. I'll, I'll say this. Last time I actually saw him last summer, they were actually the one of the worst I ever seen them, and it wasn't their fault. The PA was awful. We saw them in Virginia at the Jiffy Lube Pavilion or whatever the hell it's called over there, uh -huh. and there was such a time delay on the shit that that Bruce Dickinson actually left the stage twice during Where Eagles Dare, the second song, mm -hmm. because he couldn't find where he was in the song, and when uh -huh. it was over. He stopped playing for the rest of the song, like the third verse, the whole solo section, the whole third verse. He was just off stage. Then he came out and they were, you know, lining up for the next song, which why they did play. So it was two minutes to midnight was third. He did that. And when they finished song three, he goes, I'm surprised you're fucking still here. He goes, dude, that was the most fucked up thing during where he goes there. Mm. And he just went off on their, on the, the house's PA. It was, wow. it was bad all night, all night. It was that way. Fear of the dark somewhere later on when they did that. It was, he was singing like parts where you're not supposed to sing. And I could tell this motherfucker doesn't go on stage, can't hear where the fuck he's at, run to the hills. Mm. It was like a 15-second time delay. It was oh, bad. Wow. Yeah. I was like, this is, it was, I was so pissed. I was like, man, it sucks. I know it's not them doing it. Yeah. It's not like they're playing it wrong. It's just they're here. They can't hear it. And then I went over the uh, a couple months ago, I met Steve Harris on the British Lions tour. Yeah. You know, his little side band. Yeah. I went up to, I went up here to this, this I was, my, my wife goes, you got to fucking go. Steve, Steve Harris. Steve Harris is my idol of all idols. I think he's the same guy he's always been. Yeah. He's a leader. He's never been a follower. Maiden is my favorite band of all time. He's just the guy. He still looks the same. He acts the same. He's down to earth, all this shit. And she goes, look, if you want to meet this dude, you're going to have to go. And he was playing, they were playing this little club, so like 200 seat club in Lancaster, PA. So I went down there by myself. Nobody wanted to go, but I went and I went in that place. And at the end of the night, they weren't actually everybody signs everybody's shit some guy had like an Iron Maiden pinball fucking glass from the pinball machines and <laughs> guitars you know all this shit to be signed and they go they're not gonna be able to sign tonight for anybody he can't come out they gotta go to New York because they have to be somewhere at 4am on a hotel check in and then all of a sudden Steve just came out he goes I don't give a fuck when we get there we get there I'm here for the I'm here for the fucking mates and everybody lined up there was about 150 people in a line. He just sat there and talked and shot the shit with everybody. And I actually, for about 10, 20 seconds, talked about that show in Jiffy Lube. And he was just like, yeah, that was the worst night of the tour. So I saw the worst night of the tour. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, that sucks. Well, yeah. they were fucking awesome in Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can imagine. I mean, they're never bad. You know, even, with the, even with the PA off, it was still better than most bands I'll ever see live. Yeah. yeah. They are the best live band on the planet for me. I definitely had a... I, I've, I've seen them every tour since Number of the Beast. Wow. Never missed them. And Number of the Beast was one of my favorites. They actually were opening. Judas, they opened for Judas Priest then. They weren't even a headlining band yet. They opened for them. It was Screamer for Vengeance, Number of the Beast tour. So that was unreal. Nice, yeah. yeah. Seen them at that. Seen them with, when Blaze Bailey was in the band, they actually played at a bar. 
the Hammerjacks in Baltimore. They actually played there, and it was a fucking like an eight hundred seat bar. Mm. And we were up there. It was like that was the low point for metal. What was that? Ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety six, something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were right there, and it was awesome. I mean, I've never, I've never seen them bad. I mean, you know, like outside of this PA, I've never, even when they're not even very, you know, whatever, like the downtime, whatever you want to call it, they're just always on. I mean, they're the real deal. So don't hate us, but we're not huge Kiss fans. But we like bit the bullet this year. We're going to we're supposed to go see Kiss it's for the canceled. first time in August. <laughs> like we got fourth row seats. We're like fuck it. We're going to see Kiss. We want to fucking see Kiss. No lawn seats. And now this shit's probably going to be canceled. Yeah. <laughs> Goddamn fourth row. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah, like really I'll, excited. I'll tell you what. Now again, my first concert was Kiss. I was 11 years old. My mom got it. It was the day after my birthday. Yeah, uh, 1979, and I went, and it was so loud. I was like a little kid. It was so loud, I couldn't even tell what the first song was when they started playing. Because I was like, "Whoa, this overwhelmed me." I mean, you're talking the heyday of Kiss. Yeah. And uh, I've seen them all the way through with makeup, without makeup, with the makeup again, with Ace Frehley, without Ace Frehley, with Peter Chris, without Peter Chris, without both of them. Everything. I'll tell you this: I saw Kiss three times last year, and. Every, well, I'll take that back. I've seen Kiss twice last year and once this year, February of this year. Best times I've ever seen them, ever. Oh, They cool. got more energy. They got more energy. David Lee Roth opened up the last show for me, okay? He was a joke. It's the total <laughs> difference between somebody getting old and losing it and being out of touch and just stinking and just living on the path. Kiss came out there, and to see those people, like I, I was saying, my stepfather lives with us. Gene Simmons is the same age as my stepfather. My stepfather sits in this fucking chair down here in the living room and watches Murder She Wrote or you know, whatever the fuck's on TV. And you know, and he can be so he's old and beat up. I'm looking at fucking Gene Simmons flying to the top of arenas on fucking cables and shit, and all, I'm like, and my stepdad ain't worth 180 million dollars. Like Gene Simmons don't have to do that. You know? Yeah, but, and, yeah. And it's it's all and Paul Stanley. It's like he's got. It's like he's you know somebody threw fire in his fucking underwear. It's insane. <laughs> You're gonna have the time of your life. They play. They play two hours and twenty minutes. I think if I remember right, they played twenty four songs. And you, you, and I promise you, if you're fourth row, you better, you better cover up because there's more pyro than I've ever seen in my fucking life. They do some of the craziest shit I've ever seen this tour. The best seats I ever had was three years ago for my head, the eighth row. And, uh, it blew my fucking mind. I mean, it was just like, that was, that show was nowhere as big as this one. This is the, however long they're going to do it. Farewell thing. Mm. You're going to have the time of your life. You're not big. You guys aren't big kiss fans. Like musically, you just have to see it visually. Just, just to say you song the band kiss in their you know in their lifetime is that what it's about yeah well there's a couple things (laughs) (laughs) you just crushed his dreams over here no no i knew i knew no i knew i i like i like a fair amount of kiss i'm not a huge fan but um i would like to see him live um I'm a huge Van Halen fan, honestly. <laughs> and I, the last, I, I love old Van Halen too. Yeah, I, are you a Sammy Hager guy too? No, not really. I Good. like. I then like. You, then you, then you really, then you really are a Van Halen fan. Yeah. <laughs> Take that poser card back. <laughs> <laughs> like I, Sammy and Montrose was great, but yeah. n- not Van Halen. 
But yeah, I love. I think Sammy Hagar's a hell of a singer. You talk about a guy that's kept his, you know, his uh, his edge and shit all the way. He's another guy that's in his seventies. He looks like he's fifty. Yeah. That. You know, he's got his shit right. Yeah. But in Van Halen, it just sucked. Yeah, I yeah. called it six CD changer uh, rock, like you know, <laughs> yuppie Mercedes Benz. It wasn't when I was a kid, and we go down the road Van Halen. That was parties. That was girls. That was yeah. good times. That was just over the top. It was like they literally were in their day the napalm death of the time they were the most outrageous over the fucking top thing there was in 78 yeah when they came out i remember walking down the street with my a-track player man i was 10 years old rocking that shit you know (laughs) but the the show was really bad it was like somebody said hey man anybody out there fucking look like david lee roth you kind of look like david lee roth come up here get this guy some fucking clown pants get this guy you know here get this motherfucker give him about six different types of pills you give him about four or five hits of whiskey. Now come on out here. Okay, we're gonna put the li- we're gonna put the lyrics on this little screen here, sir. And you're gonna act like David Lee Roth. Oh, you've never heard of David Lee Roth? I don't know who this guy is. Well, here, give him a ten minute class while I continue to talk. Show him all the moves. And then you come back out here, and then the guy comes out there, and it, literally he came on stage. He could barely move. He, David Lee Roth, we all know this. He used to jump around and shit, stick his dick in everybody's face and put his legs up over his fucking head and be the fucking <laughs> acrobat of all time. Right. This dude couldn't fucking move. Yeah. It took him 10 minutes to get from one side of the stage to the other. <laughs> then he put his hand near his crotch and say something, and he just looked like people wanted to like him because he looked like he was having fun. It was like he got out of a fucking nut house. Yeah. Mm. It really did. It was bad. It was his voice was oh, fucking horrific. Man. <laughs> I'll never knock my vocals. If I get like that, shoot me. <laughs> it, I mean, it, it was bad. And in my review, I put. A, I always review my shows, and mine was. It wasn't only Jamie crying that night. That's what I put in my <laughs> review of him. <laughs> I, I just couldn't believe it. The guy next to me goes, "This is bad," and then I said, "No, it's not bad because you like it." I go, "No, it's fucking terrible. It's not just bad. It's fucking terrible." <laughs> and then I had a couple friends like, "Oh, I loved him. He was great, man. I was laughing the whole time." I'm like, "It's not a comedy act, dude." <laughs> and and he also one thing else he does all, the backing band all the backing band all the vocals are flown in, so it's it's the Van Halen record vocals, and they're faking like they're singing it oh you can tell you I mean you you know that the van halen's backing vocals is, yeah. the, is the vocal of van halen yeah michael anthony and you right? can tell it's like there's, there's people are like oh man these guys are so just like van halen I'm like oh, what is van halen? <laughs> 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 yeah. i was just I, it was bad uh. but kiss came out and made up for it so man, hopefully david lee roth will still be with him because maybe he'll be better by then and you guys will say things full of shit uh. or Maybe you'll be like, I get what he said, you know, but I still had fun. I, I had fun, too, but not in the way I intended to go and have fun. <laughs> you, <didn't. laughs> you know what I'm saying? I made the best of it. Let's put yeah. it that way. You didn't know you were going to a roast? A David Lee <laughs> Roth exactly, roast? That's exactly what it was like. It was. It was literally like that. It, just to see the guy, too. He looks bad. He looks defeated. He just looks defeated. But he seemed happy as a clam, so I guess he was. And my wife claims he was standing right behind us in Line. We were in line getting uh, drinks at the show. She's like, David Lee Roth is right there. I looked over and I said, maybe that is David Lee Roth. I couldn't tell because he looked weird. And then when he came out, he had the same pants on. I go, that was right there. He was literally in the snack bar line. <laughs> I was like, this motherfucker, boy, he's, he's down at home, but he's, you know, he's right at home with the people. <laughs> so just for when you guys are seeing it, which I hope you get to see it when it happens, just remember me. I'll be like the one I'll be in the back of your ear going, what would King think here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get an idea, and he yeah, he's just I don't know. He played a lot of cool songs. He had some definitely some deep cuts and stuff, which I appreciated. But yeah. it was weird. Band wasn't bad play wise. The lead guitar player was pretty good for doing his Eddie stuff. So 
that's supposed to happen in August. If if it still does happen, we will uh, we'll update you and let you know. What You're probably seeing him like a day before or after me. I'm a, I'm going to go see him again here in Atlantic City. Mm. So it can't be far behind you guys in Rochester. It's probably yeah. at the most two days. Yeah. Well, hopefully they're not all canceled. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think I think all that's going to go. I, I think we're going to be back out here in the world here by I'm going to say June. I hope so. We hope so. We miss our live music. Yeah. That's like the one thing that we're I bet, missing. I know it's fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. but yeah, I, I think you'll get to see him, and I hope you enjoy it. You have to let me know. Yeah, we will definitely. Awesome. So deceased and October thirty-one are currently signed with Hell's Headbangers. Is that true? It, it is true. Okay. Um, and then you also put out some deceased material on shrieks from the hearse yeah yeah the shrieks from the hearse i did basically what it was what shrieks from the hearse was that was a few years ago it was just my way when when we when we left relapse uh, we had a big big falling out with relapse i don't know if you know that story but basically they just started lying to us and started i, I was going into hot topic and seeing our shirts for like 37 bucks and stuff and i you know i, I don't care if you want to put it in hot topic i understand they're trying to get it to whoever wants to buy their stuff and sell our product that's cool mm-hmm. but when i was seeing like 20 dollars t-shirts in there for 37 dollars, i would report back to the fucking owner matt jacobson i would say look i don't want my shit in there for 37 dollars. that's a 20 dollar t-shirt i don't want it i don't want our cd and fucking fye for like 1950 or 20 dollars. it's a 10 to 12 dollar cd tops i know it's in the mall i know it costs more i'm not stupid but dude that's why we're on an underground label to keep things at the fucking fair product for everybody and this dude would just be like man king you're the biggest fucking headache man you're always a fucking bummer and i'm like <laughs> how am i a fucking bummer dude i'm trying to do things the way we, we if we wanted to go and be on columbia records or atlantic records we would have tried to do that and done all this dumb shit <laughs> we're trying to avoid that stuff we're trying to yeah. cut out the middleman and keep things at a fucking fair price so we had a big big falling out he started lying to us and all this shit and i just said we're gone so when we left he goes well what, what are we going to do about the contracts i said look dude effective immediately i'm taking all my fucking music back whatever you put out whatever you did in the past is all yours i don't want royalty not like we were seeing a royalty check anyway but I don't want I don't want anything from the past from you guys going forward. I want my stuff. And he goes, okay. So we, when we did the Fearless Undead Machines uh, reissue double CD, I added the shrieks from the hearse as my own little thing because I went and got that legally taken care of. So I would kind of cover my our asses when that happened. But really, shrieks from the hearse isn't really even a label. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just kind of like just a little something I put on the records to just kind of like to keep my name on it. Mm-hmm. You know, our name. I was kind of, because by the time we did some of these records, most of the deceased guys weren't playing alive anymore and stuff. And we're just kind of like out of the loop with the, the legal side of things. And I'm, I'm not a big legal guy either, but you got to watch your ass. You lose all your shit. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and uh, yeah, I don't know, even know if you know this or anything, if we could talk about this or if you want to, but uh, there's a movie coming out on my life. And uh, really, this guy's been filming this movie for four years now. What? That's fucking cool. That's great. It's it's, it's fucking crazy. But here's this is where this is what I'm getting to. So I don't know if you guys know this, but Sony bought Relapse Records. Okay, oh, wow. I didn't know that. I don't have the money to compete with Sony. <laughs> 
So this guy wants to do this movie. Okay, he's already he's already put up over close to two hundred thousand dollars into this movie. Okay, we've done forty thousand dollar fucking shoots. He's taken me back to Virginia. We've done all this stuff like these old timey shit. And he goes, he, he's a friend of mine for years. Came to me six years ago. We met at the mall. I kind of remembered him. I didn't really remember him at first. I was like, who is this motherfucker, right? And I go, oh yeah, yeah, I do remember this guy. Then then it all started coming back to me. And it was a guy I kind of grew up with, and he was always at my friend Chris's house. We were working mostly on blueprints for madness stuff in 93, 94. And he's like, dude, you know, you're, you're a crazy motherfucker. And I, I really admire you and respect you and said some nice things. And I just said, uh, okay, what's up? And he goes, dude, I want to make a movie on your life. And I was like, really? And I kind of laughed and he kind of got upset with that. He goes, dude, don't, I said, it's funny to me. I said, my life means everything to me, but does it mean anything to anybody outside of the circle? <laughs> you know, is it, is this something people want to see for real? And I could see an Ozzy Osbourne story or a, you know, whatever story, a kiss story. And I said, really? He goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, man, he goes, dude, you've done some crazy shit and you're well-respected and it's a, it's a new approach to everything. And I said, okay. So at first I kind of, I, I don't want to say this, I don't mean this disrespectful to him at all, but I kind of thought he might be blowing smoke up my ass. Mm -hmm. So, a few weeks later, he calls me. He's like, "Look, dude, I'm already on the I'm already on the draft. I'm already got ideas." He's sending me stuff by email, and he's up at my house. We're fucking hanging out. He's got a script and ideas. He's got the blueprints for everything, and he, this guy's got all of his you know all of his ducks in a row. And so I'm like, "Wow!" So then he wants to start doing filming and stuff. So he wants me to start filming all our shows. Wants the wife to take the camera behind the scenes, the wife angle, and all this stuff. And he just starts piecing it all together. And we start doing like he comes in. He shot up two years in a row. He shot like forty thousand dollar live video film shoots with everybody down in in Virginia. We had these big shows, but then you start getting into the legal stuff. This is what I was getting at. And well, how are we going to get for the movie? What are we going to do with this stuff? Do you own this stuff? And I thinking to myself, do I own this stuff? I in my mind I do, and I don't see Matt Jacobson, who's no longer even involved with Relapse, say anything. But now he got Sony Records involved. So who the fuck does own this? And I'm thinking, oh my God. And he's telling me he's having meetings with Netflix, possible series stuff, all this stuff. This guy's going all out. He's got fucking major players with that want to throw money into this too. And he's talking about a million dollar project. Mm. And I'm thinking, wow, this turned into something I thought it would be like, well, one, a guy with one GoPro and a, you know, and fucking <laughs> a couple joints. And he wants to make a movie, you know? And now it's this. And and that's what it's, it's been like. It's gotten crazier and crazier. And he's gotten deeper and deeper. And then we start talking about these old stories. I don't know how much you know anything about my, my past and going up. But I've done some crazy shit in my day. Well, now he's doing these animation scenes of these recreations of shit that we obviously don't have on film of my past. You know, there was a one night I drank a, I drank a fucking quart of motor oil one night. <laughs> okay. Jesus. <laughs> we had no more. We had nothing and I drank and then that's not even, that's, this is one of the light stories but he's like, we need, to, we need to do that. We need to put this in an animation and he's got all this stuff going on. So all of a sudden he's got this movie. Well, he's telling me now we're talking the other day. I, actually, uh, yesterday morning he's like, dude, this shit's like 8, 10, 12, 15, 20 hours of stuff. Minimal. Wow. You know, there's no, there's no 130, you know, well, I should say like, you know, hour and a half movie here. It's just too much to cover. I've gone through a lot of crazy shit. We've had a lot of woes with the cease too. We've had our original bass player was and half of our best friends were all killed in a car accident in 1988, which just when we were getting started, right when I was coming off of drugs and I was fucking withdrawing in my house for a year. I mean, just the early ugly days. And what the story is, is kind of like my book. I did a book, Stay Ugly. Yeah. And it's, and it's it's kind of it's kind of like that kind of it's like the book it's like I want it to be all the ugliness all all the fucking you know the moments the good the bad the ugly 
but I want there to be a lesson there. I want it to, you know, come through like that. I, I'm not trying to brag about all the girls and, I, and all that stuff. When I did my book, I, the guy that was helping me write the book, he was like, oh, man, you got some crazy stories about the girls. I've got to have this one. I was like, dude, I ain't writing a book like that. I just ain't doing it. I see, you know, my mother passed away on the blue. My son's mother passes away out of the blue. I just can't throw all that. I can have moments and things like that. I started thinking, I don't know how much you guys read, you know, people's bios and stuff. And I, I read the Paul Diano book. And it was one of the most shitty books I've ever read in my life. The dude's just like, man, I'm the greatest, man. I'm the greatest. The girls love me. Every girl wants to fuck me and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what a dumb book. I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you gotta give it a chapter, give it, you know, call to it here and there. You know, you, I, I, I went over everything in my book and everything good, bad, and ugly, but that's what I want the movie to be too. And I want it to have all this and he's got it. And I want to see it from this guy's eyes because my book, when I did my book, the guy that suggested the book, it was kind of the same thing. I was out in Vegas. The guy said, you should write a book on your life. I can help you do it. I'll write it. I'll be the ghostwriter. And you can tell it. I thought, this guy's blowing smoke up my ass. Well, two weeks later, he called me. And for the next four years, we did interviews. And then he sort of wrote the book, sent it to me. What do you think? I said, dude, this thing is boring as fucking shit. <laughs> and he goes, really? I said, dude, it's like a book report. It's stupid. I said, fuck it. He goes, well, why don't you fucking write it? I go, I guess I'm going to have to fucking write it. So for the next three years. I wrote it, and I lived that fucking life over again. I'd cry. I'd fucking have back pains. I'd have withdrawals from drugs I haven't touched in 35 years. Yeah. You know? just, just all that was there for me, and that's how I want this movie to be. It's called King of Metal Life. It's shoot, he's shooting. He'll be shooting for another year and a half. He want, he's looking for a Christmas of 2021 for it to be out. That's insane. So it's a ways off. But yeah, it's it's going to be crazy. It's going to be, I mean, I believe in this guy. I've seen what he's doing. I've seen all of his angles. I mean, he he's covering it all. It's neat because I've never let up the reins on anything in my life. Everything I've ever done, I have to have last word on everything. Of course, I know I'll stick my nose in this too, but I want to see it through somebody else's eyes for a change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to get, you know, I told him, he's like, yeah, I'm working on a soundtrack now. Some of your favorite songs, like my favorite song in, in second grade was Holiday from Sean Cassidy. I said, that motherfucker's got to be in there. You've got to get the right. <laughs> all I was like, don't change it. Don't change it to something or, you know, have some like imitation guy sing it. On, I said, we got to get that in there. And he's like, we laugh about it now. But really good guy, a guy named Patrick. And he's, uh, he's busting his butt on it. So I'm happy about that. But going full circle with, uh, around back to what we're saying. So all that legality of the, the C stuff, it's, it comes to this. We're sitting here. I mean, relapse to this day claims we owe them $8,000. They never recouped. I had a lawyer go over the stuff. They, he says they owe us over $87,000. He's like, you know, so you could probably win this in court and after fees get 50 grand. It's like 10 grand for everybody, you know, in the van and outside of the van, all costs and stuff. I said, dude, Fuck that money. I don't want to deal with these motherfuckers. I could care less. I just want to have my music at the end of the day. Yeah. I don't want this movie to come out and be like, yeah, you got to call Sony up and license your own music from them. You know, John Fogarty of you know, Creedence Clearwater, he has to license his own fucking music out because he lost a fucking court battle with the guys in that band when he started doing his solo stuff in the 80s. Yeah. He got sued by them saying it sounded too much like Creedence when he was the fucking singer in Creedence. Yeah, and he wrote his voice stuff, sounded right? like that. They sued and they won. Yeah. He lost his fucking music because of that. Yeah, that's crazy. I read that story too. So, you know, legality, this is shit I never wanted to be a part of. Never wanted to be the guy, you know, I didn't want to be the $20 CD guy at FYE. I don't want to do that. I wanted to be the underground guy. I wanted to be the nice guy at all the shows. I wanted to be the guy with the fair price merch, all that shit. I wanted to hang out and fucking talk to people. I didn't want to sit backstage and look at myself in the mirror and say how great I am. It's not that kind of guy. And then I got, 
I got fucking shit on from relapse owner because of that. They're like, oh man, dude, some things you just gotta sit down and enjoy and all. I'm like, dude, no, I don't want to hang out with rock star bands. I don't want to be around them. And he's just like, yeah, you're just a pain in my ass. You're a, you're a fucking complainer. I'm like, I'm not a complainer, dude. I, when there's a cancer in the fucking scene, I want to fucking get it the fuck away from everybody in the scene. I want the scene to be better. Absolutely. I just, I just, that's how I am. It's I'll always be till the end of time. And, you know, for better or worse, some people just say hey, you're a loud mouth jerk and fuck you. And other people are like, you know what? Cool. You know, so I've learned as I got older, the older I get, and I don't want to say the mellower because I don't think I'm mellow at all, but uh, it, it, it's it's easier to do it this way now. When you're younger, you're just like, I'll beat your ass, dude. I can punch you in your fucking face. You know? But now it's like, ease up, gang, ease up. Don't want to go wake up in jail. <laughs> So do you think well, we are? Both bands are basically like health headbangers, and we and we love it. They're they're phenomenal. They're professional. Everything they've ever said, they do. They've done from those fucking. I don't know if you saw those like three foot coffin sets they did. <laughs> no, I didn't see that. Just man, they, they they actually had the Amish hand make. I think it was one hundred and twenty five. These three foot coffins. They came with all of our demos on record and cassette inside of these things. Oh, and they're wow. like, Yeah, we want to do this for you, man. We think it's the coolest idea. And I'm like, Again, blowing smoke up my ass. A couple months later, he's like, Here, here's the fucking prototype. This is what it's going to be. And I'm like, This is insane. And then all of a sudden, we go to play the Hell's Head Bash in uh, Ohio. And he's like, Here's your copies, dude. And he hands me all these fucking full size fucking wood coffins. I mean, properly made by the Amish. And I'm like, these are the coolest fucking things ever. They <laughs> sold out like eight seconds, you know, they were gone. That's cool. That's cool. So I love those guys. Like not the best metal label in the world. Yeah. That, we've, we've heard nothing but good things yeah, about them. Yeah. I love like it, what they put out is, is all great stuff. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I do t-shirt designs with the, they're, they're all, they're all, they're pretty much all brothers. And yeah. they're all like, I don't know the word is twins, but they all look the fucking same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's weird because you have the one guy's the real smart, you know, the, the, the designer guy, Eric, he's like a smart guy. And then Chase is the owner. He's like the guy that, you know, remembers it all and keeps everything, you know, keeps peace in the valley. Then you got the other brother, Justin. He's like the big muscle guy. He's like, you know, the power guy. <laughs> and then you have the other guy, Craig. He's the, he's the metalhead guy with the, the crazy long hair. And he's the, you know, out there with the fucking underground kids and shit kind of guy. So they have it all covered. And it just, they just, every time I talk to him, it's just easy if i need to talk to chase the owner i'll call him up be like look dude can you talk today just like we did this interview you know hey yeah tomorrow good for you okay cool let's go with it we're fine i'll tell him hey can you talk in a few hours say five my time whatever sure thing and then we talk it's done with relapse it'd be like oh come on matt can't be bothered right now and he would be the rock star guy he was telling me you know that I was, be, you know, that he was expecting me to be. He was like, oh, Matt can't take your call right now. He's, he's too busy in there. I've been smoking a joint with Morbid Angel or, you know, something. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> Happy as hell. Ready for the next, uh, this, the next deceased record will probably be about three years out, maybe a little less, but, but it'll be called Children of the Morgue is the next deceased record. Nice. A lot of people don't know that yet, so there's uh, there's your exclusive. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Thank, Thank you. You. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, Children of the Morgue, we're ready for this one, man. I'm just, we're not letting up. I mean, I'm ready to do more. And when Mike retires, he told me we're going to get two albums out in, uh, in the time of one, so I'm, I'm ready for that. I miss Mike because we really do work good together. We've been writing pretty much all most of the deceased material since looking at the wall again with the framed items um 
since about 97, since about Fearless, it's been mainly me and him. I mean, obviously, Mark and Les did a couple of those records in a row, too. They contributed for sure. They always, everybody contributes, even Shane with the last record. Me and him actually wrote the song Endless Well. Mike didn't even write anything on that one, so that kind of blew my mind. But uh, we've been doing all this stuff for a long time, and it's neat. Like I get, we always call ourselves Lennon and McCartney, you know, the, the, talent, the, the talentless Lennon and McCartney. And I was 60, uh, 18 McCartney since I'm left handed, yeah. <laughs> so it works out well. <laughs> you look, yeah, sure, I'm the dead guy. <laughs> you are deceased. <laughs> so I, I have a, uh, I have a, a statement and then a question about this. Um, sure. Okay. So Barrett from Severed Records says, "Love him, great guy. He's awesome. We yeah, he is awesome. He says to tell you that he says what's up." And to ask you to bring back with your teeth records and repress Corpus Ratus. This motherfucker in his goddamn Corpus Ratus. <laughs> Corpus fucking Ratus. Corpus Ratus does rule. I love Barrett. He's great. He's done a lot too. I love that guy. Back to the Virginia days. He was, he was growing up with us too. He was back there, back when I was behind with my butt cheeks stuck to that damn drum school. He was there. He saw it all. Fucking yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, with, you could tell him. I said, "With your teeth, ain't coming back though, man." All right, all right. <laughs> it ain't happening. I, I, I mean, that stuff's been done. It was, it was fun as hell on its day. That that shit was fun. And he's just a, he's he's that. Death metal guy, you know, he likes that blah, 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 stuff over and over and over. I'm, here I am trying to listen to Sticks. <laughs> I'm, I'm Mr. Roboto, you know. <laughs> how, how did you meet Barrett in Virginia? Yeah, at shows. I think he started, I, I can't remember exactly where he lived. I think he lived a little bit outside of the stuff where we all kind of grew up, but he was like always at the shows and he would just come over and be like, hey, and you know, we just started talking. I mean, that was the thing. It was cool growing up. We, you know, we hung out with everybody. We, everybody was our friend. You came in the place and you wanted to hang out and the show was over. Come on back to my house. Have a beer. You know, just a laugh. So that's all we all did. We got together. I mean, we had some fucking hellacious throwdowns in my fucking house and shit and I lived with my mother this was this crazy thing when I go I stayed with my we had a big ass house and my mom had this one part of the house to herself and you know when I got old enough to move out and all that stuff she's like well if you want to move out move out you know but you could, you're welcome to stay here and I thought to myself well I can't find a better roommate and I don't I don't know what you guys know about northern Virginia but it was never cheap to live in northern Virginia yeah <laughs> So, yes, so we, I stayed there and stuff. My mom just let me be me. And I mean, she let me have that. But she said, look, just keep a lot of my side of the fucking house. You know, I'll lock my door. I'll go to bed. You guys can have it crazy. And it'd be like, there'd be at least over a 15 year run there, at least 2,000 parties there. Jesus. Okay. Never, never <laughs> had, the, had the cops there and stuff. Never had like shootouts or stabbings or you know things that sometimes happen at parties we always had a good time and stuff but it could get crazy in there and some of the nights i don't know one night she walked down she's like something's on fire kingsley like, <laughs> and she goes the goddamn kitchen curtains who are these guys said, that's the satanic hispanic mom she goes, the satanic hispanic i said yeah they're all spanish they love the devil and i'm like hey guys meet my mom and they're like fucking venom oh yeah fucking venom fuck jesus christ ah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, my friend's mom. Like, <laughs> looks at me, rolls her eyes, and goes back upstairs to her room. <laughs> but, you know, that's very, we come to those parties too sometimes and stuff. And he, he got in really good with, like, my buddy Chris Yastella uh, from Abominog and stuff with, like, some of his best friends. So we were all just bouncing off each other. That's awesome. Yeah, he's a really nice guy. I, I wish him well. Yeah, we love Barrett. <laughs> Let's take a break and uh, listen to a couple tunes. Would love to. All right. I got to go shit in the urinal. 
<laughs> I know you are bopping around over there. Uh, let's uh, listen to an October 31 song, The Chosen One, that is off of Meet Thy Maker. All right. And then let's flip back to another deceased song. All right. uh, let's do To Serve the Insane. All right.
other thing that I was just thinking. Um, we had Ross and Bob from Immolation on the show, like, I don't know, six weeks ago, I think. Yeah, before sure. all this craziness. Yeah. Um, we kind of talked about the Day of Death festival mini fest in uh, Buffalo, 1990. Yes. It's going to be the 30 year anniversary in October. You guys played there. Do you? We sure did. Do you remember that? <laughs> I don't, I don't forget anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I do. On the day of death, we fucking drove up there. We stayed at this crazy fucking hotel that had suck your dick spray painted on the side of the wall <laughs> in the room. They didn't have any. They didn't have any. Um, like suck your own dick. <laughs> it just spray painted on the wall. It's suck suck a dick or suck oh, your okay. dick or something. <laughs> it was like they were like they were like here's our room. And it was funny because we were in like you know these Hilton the kind of two hundred dollar rooms like but they weren't but they looked like it. Uh-huh. Like here here's your room. Hey dog, this your room. <laughs> we go in our room and like and they're like yeah man one guy's in the shower. He's like where's the fucking towel? I'm like oh, I call the front desk. So I call the front desk. I'm like yeah can you bring some towels up. The guy shows up with. Curtains, window curtains. So that was so that was us getting ready for it. I can remember. I remember pulling into the, the parking lot, seeing Chris Ryford from Autopsy. We took a quick photo. He said, "I gotta have a photo, man. We're doing our album. And I gotta have you in the uh, the collage." All right. So then we nice. walk over. Then I go and Scott Carlson and fucking Repulsion are fish frying in this fucking camper. So I go up in there and they're listening to bluegrass and we're watching Hee Haw and I'm from Virginia so I know my Hee Haw and, uh, and we're fucking having a blast and we go inside and then we, we play I think we were like third or fourth of the day I think it was 12 bands something like that it was a lot that weren't even on the original flyer like I know Disharmonic Orchestra got added on to it and somebody else got added too but um I remember this girl Janice said, "Hey, let's go outside and drink, man. I got this bottle of a half gallon of whiskey." And I said, "Fuck that! Let's just drink it here." She goes, "All right, but I can't. You can't bring it in the place. They're gonna get mad." I said, "Fuck them! Just here, put it in this drum fucking case." Bam! She comes in with the shit. We had five minutes. We we're drinking this fucking thing, and we're chugging, just getting whiskey. We're done playing. I don't. I never. Here's something real quick. I never drank or drug before. I played never, ever, ever. And I do that once. Never played a show high or drunk for anybody. That's always after the show. But anyway, we started chugging this half gallon of whiskey down and we were getting a good little buzz and then they, they caught us and they kicked us fucking both out and I'm like you gotta be fucking kidding me I gotta see Disharmonic Orchestra I gotta see fucking all times even more than any fucking thing in the world <laughs> and I'm fucking kicked we're kicked out so we go outside I said fuck this I'm gonna get back in this thing so we climbed up the back of this fucking building up the fucking these, these like stairs these fire stairs and we were on top of the fucking roof of the place and I was gonna fucking literally like come through the, the fucking whatever the air <laughs> the conditioning ceiling. <laughs> exactly and the guy was like what are y'all doing up there and I came over and I said look dude I, I, by now I just I was, my, I was no longer worried about drinking with some girl at the fucking show yeah you're like, desperate back in this fucking show yeah yeah I gotta get in the fucking show so I said look dude I don't give a fuck what you do with the drunk girl but I gotta get the fuck back in there man I said dude I'm in one of the bands that played he goes 10 minutes if you stay sober he goes dude you were out of control a little while ago he says you were walking around with your pants down to your ankles I, know. I apologize for that sir he, he, he let me back in and, and it all went great I actually was the one if you hear soundboards going around of some of these these bands these, these bootlegs 7 inches and flexies and CDs over the years of some of these bands they're all from my original tapes I was soundboarding the whole show I got the autopsy set I, they were all my master tapes nice. and I got all the bands and I remember I was drum roading in for Chris when they played at the end and i remember having the show was over him coming over just puking right in front of me man he got sick from just i know that feeling the drumming and singing feeling mm. and he's just fucking throwing up all over the place and 
it was the greatest moment of my life. <laughs> <laughs> it was that was a great that was a great 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 time. We had we had the biggest blast there. I miss that, and you know, not to get negative or anything, but when when Brian Patterson tried to do one a few years later, you know, the, the guy that put on the first one, yeah, and Deceased was the only band that he said would would was still the same down to earth guys that from 1990. He's you know I won't name stuff, but he said he tried to talk to other all the other bands and. He said that they were just very, very like they wouldn't. They wouldn't do it for a fair price that he could afford. Mm. Oh, that's and sucks. that that bummed me out. It did. It bummed me out because a lot of those bands are my friends and stuff. And, it, and I don't talk money. But they need to get and what they want to get. That's their world. I don't. I, that does not interfere with anything friendship wise. But it, it kind of bummed me out because we went to play it, and they're like, "Yeah, here's the here's the only band we could get to play from the original one of 1990 to see." And there we were. So. Yeah. But yeah, but but like. Um, Especially Rob, well, Ross and Bob, known those guys forever, man. <laughs> the shame they weren't coming on after you. You could ask them about. They remember the night I stole the Miss Pac-Man machine from the hotel. In Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> we were sitting in this. We were sitting on the second floor in the fucking, you know, with the, the snack bar room, whatever you know, the, the where all the, the soda machines and the candy machines are. And there was a Miss Pac-Man sit down, two player. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The last ones. Yeah. Yep. I was sitting there playing. I said, you know, this would be great in my fucking house. And I said, hey, is that window over there open? And I looked out the window. I said, it ain't that far down, man. I said, I might just throw this fucker out the window. And if it don't break, I'll put it in the van. It'll be mine. So I did. And I'm like, I don't think it broke. And I was like, you do, you know, there's probably cameras. This is long before cameras anywhere. You know, fucking cameras, man. These motherfuckers ain't going to know this till tomorrow. Go put it in the fucking van. And then I was like, here, take this fucking microwave, too. And I threw this fucking big-ass industrial microwave out the window. So all, all those guys... Emulation, this is like Sharon and Arcada, all these bands. We love those guys and we'd always go party with them. Pittsburgh was, I was just actually talking about this on Facebook today. Pittsburgh was like our home away from home. It was the first out of state show we ever played with with Dream Death in Pittsburgh in 89. But, uh, all these people were, were were scared of us a little bit because we were like the one band that pushed it further than everybody else. They wouldn't steal, or they might go into Seven Eleven and steal a string cheese or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and we weren't we weren't like bad. We weren't going to go to somebody's house and steal from their parents or something. But we're like, you know, we're rock and rollers. We're we're fucking what the hell were we at? Like we were like 20. And when I was like, I'm taking this fucking thing, so they would get a little bit weird. You know, they'd be like, oh god, they'd go in their room and you know separate for a little while. But when it was all done, they were like, yeah, you guys are fucking crazy as shit. You would go in 7-Eleven and steal four cases of beer and run off, and then we'd all party and drink beer. You know, they drink the, they drink the beer. They play the Miss Pac-Man later on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Miss Pac-Man made it home. I stayed in Pittsburgh for two more days. The other guys went back in the van. They made it home. I came to get it. It was smashed open. The whole coin thing was destroyed. I said, dude, what happened to my fucking Pac-Man? They're like, dude, there was like fifty dollars in quarters in there. We bought we bought two bags of weed with it, Aww. and we broke it. We broke it with screwdrivers <laughs> to fucking. We had to, you know, they didn't have the keys to open it, so they broke it. And I was like, dude, don't work now. This back man, the whole work, dude. I'm I'm fucking pissed, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, dude, you didn't pay for it. Anyway. I'm like, why don't I take it, put it in the van and do all this for this? So my girlfriend at the time, I told I told her, and she's like, oh yeah. And so she told her friend what I'd done. She's like, he's he's an idiot. He's an asshole. He stole this fucking Miss Pac Man, and. <laughs> And then her, then her friend's dad goes, really? Does he still have it? He goes, dude, I fixed that shit. And I showed it to him. He goes, dude, this thing's up. This is about a $4,000 item. I said, really? He goes, yeah, I'll give you $1,000 cash for it right now. <laughs> Did you sell it? I said, you're, you're going to give me $1,000 cash for this thing? I said, sold. <laughs> <laughs> like I went and bought like 40 tacos, a steak and cheese, and like 150 <laughs> metal records. 
That was the days. That's long ago. That doesn't happen no more. There'll probably be an animated thing about that in the movie too. But those guys, all they all remember that stuff. We just played it. I think that weekend, what we did Pittsburgh was like Damn and Us and Ripping Corpse and Revenant, and Primeval, and things like that. But Day of Death was a, was a, was such a good time. It was such a, a, a classic moment. I mean, so many people are still in the scene from there. We talk about it in Facebook mainly. I, I do a lot of Facebook things. I try to like entertain over there and. uh Get a lot of people in there just opening up when everybody's down right now. Somebody's got to be the fucking, you know, the, the Joker in the decks. I guess it's me. I'm the Chester mm-hmm. of Facebook for now. And uh, we just talk about this stuff. Like, oh, yeah, remember this? How do you remember that? King, oh, yeah, this happened. And I'm start telling all these tales. And I don't know why I get this memory still because I've had that fucking stroke. And, but mine was a physical stroke more so damaged than a mental, which I'll take. I'd rather have no left side than no burnt, no memory of who I'm talking to. You know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 But we we had some great days, and those guys, I wish them only the best. Immolationists, you know, they were they started out just a little bit after us. So they're by close to their thirty fifth anniversary too. Those guys, I remember when they were rigor mortis and uh, yep. all that stuff. We definitely grew up together, and you know, they're going really good, and they've toured the world a lot more than we have. So I, you know, I'm proud of them. I, I wish them nothing but the best. Nice. They're they're really nice guys. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Um. Well, we see uh, Ross occasionally, and we will ask him about the Pac-Man. Oh, incident. we definitely Miss will. Pac-Man. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is that guy, is his hair still to his feet? It yes, is. Yeah. It's beautiful. Good lord, I just kept all that hair. Yeah. 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 yeah good for him. That motherfucker loved his hair. Yeah. Loved his goddamn hair. Like, <laughs> hair long as shit. It was like him and Les, our bass player, Les and Deceased had hair like that too. But his Les wasn't as Bush, bush. <laughs> what is crazy? Russ <laughs> was had the Japanese hair to the floor, you know, like the. I don't know if you guys know who Crystal Gale is, but like the Crystal yes. Gale look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, he had the Crystal Gale look. I was like, who the fuck's Crystal Gale, man? Why, you, why are you calling me a girl? Like, <laughs> like Crystal Gale, left. I'm sorry. Fuck you, you know. But yeah, that's cool. Yeah, wish him well. Wish, wish him well for sure, Ross. Absolutely. Uh so. What came first, your love for metal or horror movies? Or was it kind of the same same time frame? Horror movies. Yeah. My mom was a wild mother. <laughs> she she loved wild horror mother. movies? My mom loves horror movies. Really? Oh, my mom's passed away. She died she died about twenty years ago now, like two thousand two. But my mom my dad died of cancer when I when I was five years old. He died in nineteen seventy four. And my mom had to raise me and my sister um, on her own, and she had to bust her butt because we were very, very poor back then, you know, when, when I was born. And uh, she would take us to the drive-in. She would take, that's what you had to do growing up with the drive-in movies. We could all go for 10 bucks. You get, like, kids were free, you know, all the time. And she saw that I loved these fucking things. And I, the first movie I remember seeing with her that was a horror movie, I can remember, 1976, going to see a movie called Burnt Offerings. Oh, yeah. What's up? You know the movie? One yeah. of my all-time favorites. Uh, the, the, yeah, absolutely. Miss, Mrs. Allardyce, the first song on Ghostly White, is oh, about nice. burnt offerings. Nice. With, uh, she took me... Uh, what's that? What's his name from Seinfeld was in it, right? I can't remember his name right uh, now. Seinfeld. Wasn't it? I don't uh, know anybody from Seinfeld in it. Wasn't it? All the uh, new ones were dead before Seinfeld came out. No, no. <laughs> this is the one with... This, this, this is Karen Black. This is Oliver yeah. Reed. This is Betty Davis. Wasn't George from Seinfeld in it? 
as like a kid? He wasn't in burnt offerings. No? I know, I know. I'm not a Seinfeld guy, but George is the what the the, the big heavy set guy yeah. with bald head. Yeah, Jason Alexander. Okay, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was in a movie called The Burning. That's what it was. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. The right. Burning. Yeah. He was in a movie called The Burning in the in the eighties. Yeah. Okay, a little later, he had a little right. bit of hair then. All right, never mind. <laughs> it was called Burnt <laughs> Offerings. It was a haunted house movie. But my mom took me, and this movie kept building up to the ending where you're going to find out that the lady that runs the house is she's taking care of this ninety year old woman, Mrs. Allardyce, up in this attic. And the whole time you don't see her, you're starting to realize maybe this lady's the old lady too. And so the ending, she goes back in the house after all this shit goes down and her husband begs her not to. She goes up there and then she doesn't come out. I can, I'm getting the chills right now. It's honestly it's such a creepy thing that stayed with me my whole life. And my mom's basically the reason I have to see as a band title and lyrics, but we'll get to that in a second. And so my mom looks at me, she goes, you want to leave? And I say, yeah, yeah. She goes, go ahead. I'll be out there when it's over. Go sit in the car by yourself. She goes, don't let the shadow, she goes, don't let the shadow get you. Right? I said, I'll stay here with you. So I have my hands over my eyes. I'm a little kid. I'm a little, you know, a little, little puss. <laughs> I pull my hands back and I see the end of the movie. It freaks me the fuck out. Yes, the lady was. Well, sorry to give it away, but the lady is the lady in the house. And it's a creepy fucking scene. And it just ends so tragic. So my mom knew I liked these movies. So then we'd always go to the drive-in for the next few years. Tons and tons of times. I see the Manitou, the, the Pack, fuck, I could name Schizoid, Blood Beach, fucking, I've seen every movie ever. I'm sitting in a room right now, just so you guys know, and I'll send you a picture of one. I'm sitting in a room right now with about 27,000 store-bought DVDs of horror. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Um, I'm not even kidding you. I'm here, right here. I'm in the, I'm in the L section right here. I'm looking at, <laughs> I'm looking at, here's Black Swarm. Here's Black Wake. Here's Black Water. Here's Black Magic. Here's Black Devil Doll from Hell. But that, that's what it gets to. But my mom would take me to these movies. I loved them. And what got me to metal music was, was Kiss. Um, I was a kid. My mom and my grandmother would get together on Sundays. She'd take me to the grocery store as I was the oldest kid. She'd have me go with her and carry the groceries out to the car for grandma. But they like to sit and talk, you know, mom and mom <laughs> to each other. And she, my grandmother would buy me a roast beef sandwich and a 25 cent. This was a place called Grand Union. Mm-hmm. She's no longer, I don't think, around. But it was a store when I was growing up. And they'd get me the 25 cent grape soda. And I'd walk around the fucking store for two hours going, are you done talking yet, Mom? Are you guys <laughs> done talking? I'd be like, this is boring to me. So I'd end up at the magazine section of these places. And I'd look at the football magazines or whatever and shit. And I'd get to the, me- the, the music stuff. And I used to see this magazine called Sixteen. And I see this fucking dude with blood all over him. I'm like, what the fuck is this? This used to scare me because it was creepy. Like, it was like a demon, <laughs> obviously, Gene Simmons. Yeah. So I always was like, who's this fucking band Kiss? I got to hear it. And I thought it was so weird that they were called Kiss when this dude looked like the devil. Right. I was like, that's <laughs> dumb. <laughs> right. <laughs> So I go home and I'm walking down my street one day. This is a funny quick story. And this guy, I didn't know him at the time, but his name's Scott Bryant. He's wearing a Kiss shirt. He's mowing his yard. And I go, dude, you got any Kiss records? He goes, yeah. And I said, well, can I hear some? He goes, well, I'm mowing the grass, guy. You know, maybe another time. <laughs> so another time I knock at his door. I'm like, I got to go hear Kiss. And he literally opens the door. And he's probably like, what's this little fucking brat want? Like, I don't want to be around this kid. This, kid. <laughs> this guy was like 16. I was probably like nine. And, uh. I said, yeah, man. So he let me in his house for a minute and he showed me his posters. I'm like, I have to show you the posters real quick, but I got to go. And I looked and I saw he had this, this Sertron little uh, blank tape on his on his dresser. And I said, oh, man, look, this has Kiss on it. Can I borrow this? And he goes, you can have it. He goes, it's broken. 
And I had to know what that meant. So I looked at it and I said, it looks fine to me. The case ain't broken or nothing. So I left. I went home and I went to my tape player and I put it in. I didn't, I didn't realize at the time that cassette tapes, it's ripped. The tape's broken. The tape's inside the thing. There's no tape yeah. to play mm-hmm. on a thing. So I'm sitting there trying to play this thing, right? I'm like, I want to play, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I cherished it. it it said Kiss Alive 2 and some kind of fucking, you know, Sharpie uh, marker on it. I put it on my dresser and cherished it like it was gold. I never, still had never heard Kiss. Well, then the, um, what year was this? I guess this was third grade. I went to um, an elementary school called McKinley and my mom put me in after school class because she had to work till five every day. So I'd stay at this wreck and we'd watch Nosferatu or some shit on the walls of the gym. And the guy was just, these, these like teenage camp counselor type guys would take care of the kids. And so... I was there one day, and I, the guy comes in, he's wearing a Kiss shirt. I'm like, oh, my God, I want to hear that so bad. <laughs> I know the guy well. It's Jeff Pierce. And he goes, uh, oh, yeah. I go, yeah, you got any records? He goes, no. But he goes, hold on. He writes me a note, and it says, Victor, this is Jeff over at McKinley. Give this kid your Kiss Destroyer record. I want to jam out. He tells me, look, you go across the street, you go up the hill, you go to the corner. He's a stop sign over there. There's a white house. That's his house. You get your ass over there. You get this record. You get your ass back to school. I'm not supposed to do this. <laughs> so I run across the street. I go up there. I go to the door. This dude answers the door with with Ross from Immolation Air. <laughs> and he's out of his mind. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, this guy told me to give you this. And I'm trying to give him a third grade rock and roll nod. Yeah, <laughs> dude, he wants to go back to bong hits, you know. And so he gives me the record. I start walking back over and I start getting scared. And I can, it's weird, man. I'm looking at him I'm like, these guys are on, you know, the cover of Destroyer. I'm like, yeah. they look like they're in hell. They're floating in hell. This is so weird. I was like, man, are these guys demons? <laughs> so I go across the street I go inside I, I go in the place I go sit down and he goes yeah 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 give me five minutes I'll go get a turntable out of the library and we'll listen to it it was the old stereo one piece with the speaker in it yeah. and so he puts it on and the first song is Detroit Rock City and it starts p- coming on I'm like well where's the music all I hear is some guy talking and he goes if you'd shut up this is a song about a guy who goes to see Kiss play and he dies in an accident <laughs> at the show and I'm thinking death this is weird. Okay, they're in hell. This is death. And the song comes on to Troy Rock City. I'm blown to fucking, you know, I'm blown away. And the next thing you know, I'm headbanging. My head's moving. This is how I guess I found out how to headbang. And he's like, yeah, this shit's killer, right? They're from New York. These guys are badass. And then we're hearing God of Thunder. And we're hearing King of the Night, the World, Flaming Youth, all the shit on the record. And I was into Kiss. And so... Then all I had to do then was start collecting Kiss. I begged my mom. She was like, we'll go to the store and we'll get you a record. Montgomery Ward's department store. I go up there and I see this record, Kiss Alive 2. Gene Simmons got blood all over my I go, this must be the best record because this is the coolest picture. <laughs> <laughs> my mom says, it ain't that cool. That record's $17.88. I never forget it. She goes, That's sh-. she always called me Sugar Sugar. That's too much money. She goes, get something a little cheaper. She goes, this one here's on sale. Kiss rocking all over. And I did at the time, I didn't have a record player with a needle on it so I bought the tape of it for like $8.88 or something mm. took it home and just fell in love with Kiss then I started buying all the Kiss stuff and then I got into music and I'd already been into music somewhat because of my mom's sister Marlene my aunt who when I was growing up she babysat me and I'd go to her house and just pull through her records and my first love was the Beatles I was you know they were the first band I could remember the songs in my head when they weren't actually on the radio there's things that would pop into my head and I'd start singing mm. you know like all my loving help whatever it was and then uh, 
after Kiss, I was like, you know, this is heavier than the Beatles. I wonder what this is. This hard rock. What is this hard rock? And I've gotten some friends, and I started getting around them, and we go digging through their their brother and sisters' record collections, and all of a sudden I'm like, this fucking Van Halen, which was next, Van Halen won. I'm like, this is badass, and we're into this. And we're to Ted Nugent, we're into Journey, all those bands of the time, late '70s sticks, just the bands of the era, even stuff that wasn't even really heavy was heavy to us, like they'll say Heart Barracuda mm-hmm. or like Jefferson Starship Jane, things like that. Were I call it heavy metal radio, like hold the line, Toto has a heavy guitar, so it's heavy. Yeah. And you know, and then uh, it got to the stuff where it was like I, I discovered some punk, which was like the Ramones and the Sex Pistols and the Dead Kennedys. That was early on, especially the Plasmatics for me, because my friend Marcel, that was our drummer for a short while, his brother worked at a hotel, and the bands that played in DC would always come over and stay there, and they'd give him records like, "Yeah, this is our band, check it out," and he would give the records to me. So I got the Butcher Baby uh, EP from them when I was a kid, and the Plasmatics might as well be metal. I mean, they were just crazy yeah. at the time, and uh, that was where I—that's where I kind of stood. And then ACDC hit me, and those kind of bands, and then I got tickets. We were going to go see ACDC play, and it was for those about the rock tour, and. Um, Marcel's dad goes, dude, there was no seats left. It was like what they called, you know, obstructed view. I don't know what the fuck that meant. What do you mean? It's, you know, I want to go to this concert. And he's like, there's no seats. You can't see the band. I'm not buying tickets for you to look at a PA system. What did you buy? He said, Black Sabbath. I said, Black Sabbath? <laughs> I said, we, didn't we play that? To my friend Dan, I said, didn't we play that record? Paranoid? He goes, we played that song, Planet Caravan. Okay, now you know you're Black Sabbath. Planet Caravan is the lightest thing they probably ever did. Ever. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that hippie shit? Fuck that. I want to see ACDC. I want to see fucking, you know, let, for those about to rock, I want something. And so, at the same time, on the on the radio, I listened to the radio religiously, there was a song. I didn't know who it was, but it was so fucking cool. And it was like the style of what I wanted to do. And it turned out to be Heaven and Hell, Black Sabbath. Okay. Nice. And I was like, one day I heard him say, this is Black Sabbath, Heaven and Hell. And I was like, that's the same band that Paranoid? That doesn't sound like the same singer. Of course, I didn't realize Ronnie James Dio, blah, blah, blah. blah. So we went to the concert, Mob Rules, Black Sabbath, which was December 3rd, 1981. And when they did the breakdown of Heaven and Hell, where Dio says, you know, I'm going to hell with all of you. And this fucking cross came to the front and fire everywhere. I said, right then and there, my life goes to heavy metal. This is what I want to do with my fucking life. <laughs> that's cool. So that's how I got to heavy metal. Then it was anything heavy metal goes. You're looking at Cream Magazine, Circus Magazine, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, and then you're working your way up to the, the you know, the next batch. It's it's your Slayers, Crystal Fates, your Voivods, it's your Sodoms, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And as time goes on, and that's how I got to my metal. That's pretty much what did it. Nice, nice. You you did a zine for a while, didn't you? Like a million years ago? I did ago? two zines. I did one called two. Morbid Terror in the, in the mid-80s, mm-hmm. which I don't think even I saw. <laughs> <laughs> and I did another magazine called Stay True, Stay Ugly, Stay Underground. I did that in the 90s. Nice. Nice. <clears throat> they were they were fun. Morbid Terror was like three lines. Hyrax. Hyrax kicks ass. I like this band. And then steal a picture out of another magazine and Xerox it in there. Here's my magazine. But the but the, the stay true when I really got very talkative and opinionated kind of stuff out of my out of my system there. <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of my main things around that time was how I I thought most black metal bands were posers. Like yeah. I was I, I a lot of times we, we, we 
thought it was very similar to the hair metal movement. It was a lot of like, look at me, image before music kind of thing. And yeah. I talk about that a lot. And just, I'd review a lot of albums genuine. I'd go into detail about songs and I just wouldn't be like, this is great, A plus, or, you know, that kind of deal. Yeah. And it was fun. I really, it really let me get a lot of things off my mind and off my chest at the time. And I think I did like six or seven issues of that one. And it was fun. I did a really fun interview with Dave Lombardo when he wasn't in Slayer. And some of the stories he told me about Slayer were hilarious. Because I, 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 I'm not even a Rain and Blood guy with Slayer. I'm not even a Rain and Blood guy. I'm out. Just thinking about it's not that good. When it came out, they were freaks. We went to see them on tour. They were just total rock stars minus Dave Lombardo. And when he was doing a Grip Inc. thing, I was asked to interview him. And I said, well, I'd like to interview him. I'm not a big Grip Inc. guy. It's okay. But I said, I'd like to interview him. Just ask him some questions of his past. And he was all for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we talked in detail about some funny stuff. You know, Kerry King was pretty funny. He was talking about him, like, look, saying how he was sitting in his uh, hot tub and looking at himself in Spin Magazine for hours and prune up and shit. <laughs> <laughs> So what? What's but, like? Uh, yeah, but I mean, it was it was a fun magazine for what it was. It got around enough. Mm. What? Um, just curious. What Slayer? Do you like the uh, uh, Hellawaits in previous stuff? Show No Mercy is one of the greatest records ever made. I yeah. think it's their best record. I, I'm I'm kind of glad there's not another record like it in yeah. the world because they didn't ever sound like that again. No, Only didn't. the Shabbles another ten, and the mm -hmm. Hell Awaits is fantastic too. Mm -hmm. Production's a little funny on Hell Awaits. The songs are really good. Mm -hmm. the, the production's a little weird on that one, but just for me, Rain and Blood. A lot of people loved it, but you know, like we, we our our group, my band at the time then was Voivodos freak for Voivod, I still am, but then, and Mark's, Mark in Deceased at the time was Slayer, and he got it, we listened to it, we were like, eh, it's good, but we're like, eh, not that good, and then the more we were like, eh, I don't know, it didn't sound, it sounded kind of, it, it was very well produced, it had a great sound, you could turn it up, it was sonically, the probably the best up to then by anybody, musically, production-wise, it was heavy, and Dave Lombardo was amazing on it, but I just didn't care for a lot of the music on it. I was born to stuff like cryonics from the first record or fight till death or mm, yeah. you know like after sin things like that on the first couple of records just i don't know i just didn't see myself going back listening to criminally insane too much right right just it just didn't do it for me i you know <laughs> teach their own <laughs> so was deceased before deceased called mad butcher at one point we were called mad butcher with two d's our first name was Evil Axe, okay. E V I L A X E, uh -huh. and it sounds dumb as shit talking to you over the phone right now. But when, you're, when you're 15, that yeah. motherfucker sounds killer. Right. I get it. <laughs> fucking Evil Axe, bitch. We had a song called We had a song called Choke on Chains. Got a fuck, we never wrote it. We never music to it, but it was, we had titles. We had a song called The Exorcist long before Possessed did. And I was like, yeah, it sounds called The Fucking Exorcist. What do you think of that, motherfucker? We had the dumbest shit. But it was fun. It was, you know, we were we were called Evil Axe. Then we were called we were called Mad Butcher with two Ds. Mm -hmm. Then we were called Mace. There was then we found out there was a band Mace from mm -hmm. Seattle, mm -hmm. and then it was Deceased. And I always knew none of those names were going to be the one. But one day I just said, man, it's going to be called Deceased, and this is the fucking name, and that's where it went to. And that was around late '84. We were like, I, I, I say that the band's 35 years this year because some people are like, well, you guys were around at '84. I've got you know, letters from you talking about it. But we didn't even do anything. The first thing we ever wrote with the seats was a song called Death of Christ. Mm -hmm. And it got no further than me and Doug in his room. He played riffs to it and I sang over it. We didn't know if we wanted to be upside down cross metal or right side up cross metal. or We didn't know what we wanted to do. You know, we just started writing stuff and then it just started coming out. Like some of the early titles were like 
terror inside the coffin and then after the bloodshed, which ended up as the first demo. Like I was like, I know where we're going with this band now. Once you started getting it, then you then for a few years you wrote these songs about the end of the world or grave robbing or just typical things and mm-hmm. you just took words and made them rhyme and you didn't really have your best lyrics and you know, that's one thing, again, back to the wall over here of the framed albums. As I go, I can see how the lyrics got better, at least to me. I mean, I hope by 51, I'm better than I was when I was 15. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you still collect 8-tracks? I sure do. Yeah. You got some for me? <laughs> uh, I know the new Savage Master is... is it, is on, it is on 8-track. I'll, I'll get that for sure. Yeah. My, my my thing with the eight tracks is I think I said earlier, like when I when we were growing up, when I was growing up, like we had no money. Okay, so if I needed to buy something, I had to wait till my mom like cleared two checks to get an eight dollar and eighty eight cent record, you know, which probably now would be like equal to about a fifteen dollar record. But um I we go to the Woolworth department store and they had they always have all their eight tracks would be eighty eight cents. Yeah. So I could check out so many bands. If I had a five dollar bill, it was like I could pretty much just about get six records with tax. I think it was like five twenty four or something like that for like all this shit. Like when you got the the change or something on the other side, it ended up like five fifty four something four in the end of it. But I could get like a UFO record, a Jethro Tull a track, a fucking Sabbath a track, and hear these albums by bands I could never afford to cassettes or albums trumps because eight tracks were kind of on the way out. They were they were still pop but they were very less popular yeah. than anything, anything else. So I had these records. And then as I got older, you know, obviously I went to cassettes and vinyl and I've had all formats of everything. Sitting here looking at a Pat Benatar fucking Crimes of Passion, reel to reel right in front of me while we're talking. <laughs> and so uh, well, then one day I, I kept like eight or ten of my eight tracks and I had them on this heater over here in my house. Actually, it was a like mob rules and a few other ones I had. I think it was, um, what else did I have? Mother's finest stuff, you know, that's some kind of soul heavy rock thing. But anyway, me and my wife were out one day flea marketing. We loved doing that. And um, I looked over and I said, Look at this. Here's some eight tracks. And she said, Oh, yeah. And I told her the story. She's like, I believe you told me that story 20 times, honey. <laughs> like, let me tell it again about all my eight tracks. So I walked over there and they're like, She's like, You want, to, want it? And I said, How much is it? She said, It's a quarter. I said, I take it. It was the Go Go's Beauty and the Meat. I think back, it was a Go Go's vacation. And I said, I'll take it. So I looked at it and I said, You know what? I'm going to start collecting these fucking things. Said, Everybody collects fucking records now and it's all this and that. And I've done all that. I mean, I've had 18,000 records of metal in my day. I was like, I was going to collect these for fun again. So then I started getting this little like Jones and like, you know, I had the, they had the monkey on my back. You know? <laughs> and we went back to this flea market. And I said, you got any more eight tracks? She goes, I don't think so. And she goes, but he says, wait a minute, look over there. Is those eight tracks? And I said, yeah, that's a, that's a box of eight tracks. I went over there and I knew once I went through this, I had to go keep on going. I opened it up and you know, most of the time you go eight track and it's very metal. It's any money. It's meatloaf. It's <laughs> yeah. a lot of country, a lot of Freddie Fender, a lot of, you know, Charlie rich kind of stuff, which is cool. I like all that too. And I do own that now, but this box, I opened it up and the very first eight track to come at me was screaming for vengeance. Judas priest. Oh, oh nice. that's cool. And I'm like, Oh, this is a box of heavy metal shit. And the next thing I know it's, it's fucking Van Halen one, two women and children first fair warning. It was this guy's whole collection. All the UFOs were in there. All the scorpions were in there. And it was like 20, 25, eight tracks. And I go, what do you want for this? She goes, five bucks. <laughs> and she goes, you can even have the case they're in for five bucks, just five bucks, something. And, you know, eight tracks are famous for being dry rotted and funky. And they, most people think they suck and they probably do, but 
took it home. Everyone of them played great. I still had an old eight track player I played. I was like, these are great. So we started going out. She's like, oh, here you go. And next thing I know, I'm <laughs> collecting again. And now, and now here it is. Maybe I would say it's probably seven years since that time. And, uh, I got about twenty eight hundred. Wow! <laughs> wow! Wow! And my I got some rare shit, dude. It's a weird shit. Here's my favorite eight track story, real quick. So, and they stopped making eight tracks for the most part in the early eighties. They still had a. If, are you guys familiar with the buy ten records for a penny club? Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Like yeah, the yeah. Columbia Records and tapes, and they also yep. had RCA tapes in it too. You you know you, you most people would buy the one and then not send them the money and take all the shit and run kind yep. of deal. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you know what I'm talking about, right? Well, well, the eight tracks kept doing it because it was an eight track club. You could only get a lot of stuff on Columbia Records through the eight track club. So shit kept going on and on until about '88. I think some of the last things they produced for like uh, Fleetwood later Fleetwood Mac or a Huey Lewis in the News or something like that, but. The, the metal bands that were on those major labels had stuff too, like Mark at the Moon was on a track or like Shout Out the Devil was on a track or Out of the Cellar, Dokken, you know, was on it. Well, Maiden had three on there too. The first one, the second one, Killers and Number of the Beast. And Killers and Number of the Beast, you can get. Now, Number of the Beast on eBay probably right now is 200 bucks. Killers is more like a hundred bucks. Okay, that's that's a lot of money. Well, mm. the first one is like a thousand bucks. It's one of the rarest wow. maiden pieces there is for anything maiden. Like if you were to collect maiden, someone came to you and just they're looking for a maiden promo lighter or something. Well, Iron Maiden's first eight track is one of the rarest maiden collectibles there is. Okay, I've only ever seen one on eBay, and it went for like eight hundred and seventy-eight bucks or something like that. And it was it was fucking trash. It was like somebody had blowtorched the fucking thing. It still went for that much money. So I told her everywhere we go, we're gonna look for that fucking maiden. I'm gonna look for that fucking maiden. She's like, you're never gonna find that friggin' fucking maiden. I'm like, we're gonna keep looking for this fucking maiden. <laughs> <laughs> so one day we went to this fucking antique store, and I asked the lady, "You got any eight tracks?" She goes, "Yeah, we got tons of them." I'm like, "Oh god!" My wife's like, "Oh Jesus Christ!" I'll be on the floor in Indian style for two hours. I'm gonna fucking <laughs> leave and come back. So she comes back, and I, I get all sad. She goes, "What's wrong?" I said. Those are cassettes. She goes, those aren't A-Tracks. It's another cassettes, but aren't you a deer? And she goes, yeah. And then the other lady goes, oh, A-Tracks. What do you do? A-Tracks. I said, oh, yeah, yeah. They're not these, right? Yeah, they're those. So I walk over there, and of course, what do I see? Eddie, money, meatloaf, fucking, you know, the usual. Bread, the best of bread. I see that everywhere, the best of bread. <laughs> and so um, I, I'm, I'm ready to walk out. And my wife says, look at that one. There's one over there. On that. She goes, there's one right there. I said, oh, that's got to be fucking meatloaf. He goes, you gotta look. I go, you're right. I walk over to the fucking thing. I get closer and I'm like, is that fucking Eddie? I said, that's the fucking the first Iron Maiden on a track. It's just sitting on a lamp post in in a furniture section of the store. Wow. I freak out. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and so I look and I said, oh. I said, let me go back and just freak out. I'm freaking. I'm like shaking, like you know, like I'm in low blood sugar. <laughs> 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 so I walk up to the front and I go. How much do you want for this? She goes, oh, give me a quarter. A quarter. Give me a quarter. You know, I don't know what that's worth. And then goes, ah, no, 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 that's, no, 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 not a quarter. I'm like, oh, shit, she knows what it's worth. She goes, 75 cents. <laughs> <laughs> I said, let's make it a fucking dollar. I go outside. I look at my wife. I was hugging her in tears. I was freaking out. I was like, oh, my God. So I went home, and I immediately had to make a post. I've been talking on 
Facebook to certain people that are like, yeah, I got a, there's a few eight tracks I'm looking for. Uh-huh. And I just came home and I was kissing it on a picture. I'm in a picture. <laughs> <and kissing> it. <laughs> and like the fucking greatest thing just happened to me. And I told that story and there's the picture and I was just freaked out and I got it. And people like, I've, you know, I've had it appraised even by some maintenance. It's fucking mint. It's mint. That's great. And I was like, oh my God. They're like, dude, you get, I mean, I'm not trying to sell it, but they're like, you can get $3,000 for that. Oh, that's, that's like, cool. So it would pay a couple months rent if I ever need to, but <laughs> I, I like my A tracks. People are like, sorry, that shit, that tracks, that shit's worthless. To me, it got me through so much stuff. It made me hear so much music I never would have heard. Maybe to this day, I wouldn't have known so much about UFO or Jethro Tull or prog bands like Nectar or Triumvirate, things like that because of it. I mean, it was the end of an era and stuff, and yeah, it was a cheap format, and it doesn't sound great, and I'm not going in there looking for the fidelity of, you know, this and that, but I heard the tunes. You know, I walked down the street listening to talking about love all the time for eight cents. You know, <laughs> absolutely nice. So nice. I, I like it. It's something in my heart. It just, it just. I'm, I, I live in the past, as you probably know. Since you talk to me, <laughs> I live in the past. I, you know, I, I'm moving forward with my brain. But all my favorite stuff is, you know, growing up is just the kid stuff. I still got all my toys and all that shit too. You know, sitting here looking at a Charlie's Angels model van I built in 1978. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice, nice. So that's 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 my that's what I do. That's that's where my fun is. You know, that's my drug. I don't drink drug. I don't fucking fool around on my wife. Nothing like that. I just sit here and have fun. And I'm not bothering nobody. As I tell people, I ain't bothering you, man. If I spend whatever I spend on it, dude, that's your concern. That's right. Nice. Yeah, it's fun, though. I still got a lot, though. I'll send you a picture sometime of uh, H-Track Island. <laughs> yeah, please do. I got that's some odd sick. ones in there. It's weird looking out there and seeing like Michael Shanker group or like Riot band. You know, they, they exist and people are like that doesn't exist. I'm like, fucking hold it in my hand, dude. Like one guy was a crybaby. He's like, oh, you're a fucking full of shit. There's no such <laughs> born again Black Sabbath does not exist on a track. I'm like, fucking hold it in my hand, dude. Right here, here it is in the picture. You see it? So, that's always fun to put someone in their place that way. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of living in the past or. Um, old metal records. Yes. Yes. Why? That was a great label, by the way. You reissued a ton of really amazing stuff. Why did that shut down? And is there any chance of that coming back? Old metal records is actually not shut down, but no? it kind of is shut down. Does that make sense? <laughs> okay. Maybe not. Let me tell you. Here's the okay. Here's the old metal record story. Okay. So when I was a kid. One of my favorite bands when I first heard them was Surf and Go. Loved them. And it was one of the first records that had a fucking piece of paper inside of it that said, like, you know, write us and all this shit. So I wrote them. This was 1980 fucking two. Mm-hmm. And I'm like 14 years old. I wrote them. And me and my friend Marcel actually made a cassette. Surf and Go is the greatest fucking band in the world. We love you. Fuck mm-hmm. yeah, you're the best. 60 minutes of us. <laughs> waiting for our balls to drop fucking vocals <laughs> on this thing and we're like fucking losing our marbles right so I sent it to them they were like you're a crazy motherfucker you motherfucker you know and here's our phone number so I called them and I started talking to mainly the drummer Robert Garvin and I said man one day man one day I'm gonna put out a surf on goal record he goes you got my permission dude whenever it is I'm so I'm 14 years old but now I'm uh, let's go forward here 97 so now I am 29 and I started to get a little bit of money saved up. And I said, you know what? 
I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start putting out some old heavy metal records here. This is again that same time when everything was a bad word. Heavy metal was a bad word to so many people. I'm like, you know what? I don't care if nobody buys this shit. I want to put it out. So my first thing I wanted to put out was Surf on Go. I'm like, well, they're not around, and all their material is already out. What am I gonna do? I said, well, you know what? I got a live tape. I'm gonna fucking take two of the songs. I'm gonna press a seven inch, and I'm gonna put this motherfucker out. So I did it. Set the band. There's a couple copies, and. I was like, okay, that was fun. And I called it old metal records. <laughs> you know, it was like kind of like something that was in the past. And then I was kind of, and I was like, all I was going to do at first, and I was thinking about it. And then people started coming to me. They're like, yeah, man, that's cool. Your label's cool. When's your next release? And I'm like, when is my next release? Yeah, yeah. next release. What should I do next? <laughs> so this guy, a friend of mine, uh, he won't ever, doesn't want his name on anything, so I won't say his name on the record. But he uh, was like, dude, man. All these people out here selling these fucking heavy metal records for top dollar now, these rare records, we should put something out and, you know, not fucking uh, charge a bunch for it. So he was like, why don't we do the Witchfinder General burning a center seven inch? And I'm like, okay, well, let's get in touch with a band. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, we can't. So we'll just put it out, but we'll flip the artwork so people won't mistake it for the original and we'll, you know, we'll put a thing on the back saying this is for fucking people that want to hear this record but don't want to pay $300 for it to hear it. So we just throw this thing out there. No consent from the band. Nothing. And we're like, okay. <laughs> now this is out. People were like, okay. And then some people were like, you guys are fucking bootleggers now. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so then I'm like, you know what? This is cool, but we're having a hard time moving these products. It's vinyl. Vinyl's dead. So maybe I should do a CD of something that never came out on CD. So I was thinking the band Blessed Death. So I was like, well, I got to get permission now. This is crazy. So I look in the phone book. And I'm like going everywhere I can asking people in their towns, you know where these guys in New Jersey are? You know, do you have a phone book for me? And no. So I called the operator and I start naming off people's names from the band. She was like, I got a Nick Fiorentino right here from, he lives in New Jersey. Is this the guy? I said, give me the number. So I called it. And sure enough, it was the guitar player for Blessed Death. And I said, look, dude, I'm this dude out of my house. I got a little money. I want to do this. See, I love Blessed Death. I seen you play with Agent Steel, blah, blah, blah. We hit it off. He gave me permission to put this shit out on CD. So I did. Gave him some copies. It was, a, it was basically a verbal handshake over the phone. And then I started getting ideas to do more records. Well, my partner got out of it. And I had another partner. And he was like, dude, we just put the shit out. You know that stuff's public domain. It's public domain. That shit is, there's no rights to that shit on most of these records you want to do. Nobody gives a fuck about Witch Cross. Nobody gives a fuck about Griffin. Nobody gives a fuck about the wild dogs, right? I'm like, well, I'm going to try. As we go along, we start getting a list of things we want to do. I'm going to try to contact people in these bands as we go. And I said... Let's, that's the way to do things. You know, I said, I'm in a band and I get it. I said, you know, they probably got ripped off by the record label anyway, but I said, we had, and I was like, well, let's, let's try to get in touch. So I looked up the wild dogs. I found Matt McCourt, the singer, and he was cool with it. But then you start getting into these stories with these bands where this is where it gets weird. This is really early. Cause I've got about 50 releases on that label now, but um, actually more than that. And um, you get the guy on the phone and he'd be like, yeah, yeah, but don't let, Mike Varney know you're doing this from shrapnel because he doesn't want that to happen, but he fucked us and fuck him. So let's do this. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, but don't tell <laughs> the other guy in the band because me and him, 
of issues. And I'm like, this is fucking weird. So <laughs> it got it's, it quickly was weird to me. I was like, okay. So he gave me the material. We never had the master tapes for almost any of these releases. So we're either taking them off of records and cleaning them up with the computers, or we're taking them off the even cassettes sometimes and getting things going. So then we're, I'm like, okay, we're going to do Sound Barrier. So we did the band Sound Barrier. We did not have permission. A friend of mine took some CDs, put them on eBay to see if anybody wanted them, and somebody bid on one of them. Turned out it was the bass player for Sound Barrier. He oh. was pissed the fuck off. Oh, wow. <laughs> he was pissed the fuck off. So he got, so Dave said, yeah, my. My friend, you know, it's my buddy King. We got eBay. Goes, my buddy King put this out. You know, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll give you his number and you can call him. Oh, and then Dave comes to me and he goes, "Hey, man, well, he's gonna call you now." Like, well, thanks a fuck a lot. You okay? I was like, All right. I was like I, but here's the thing I want to say too. Every one of those releases, and if you say you like the label and stuff, look. My address is right on the fucking label. Okay, my fucking, my, my number is on some of them, the phone number, but the address is right on the fucking album. It's not like I'm hiding some fake name, you know what I'm saying? Or it's, that's my, where I lived. Right. So anyway, I get a call one day and it's, it's not the bass player from Soundberry, it's the guitar player, Spacey T. You know, we talked 20 minutes, he loved me, he thanked me, I sent him 100 copies of the CD. He was like, that's all we wanted, you know? I was like, dude, I would have done this to begin with had I known where you were. Right. So I started thinking, this might be the way to do this. Now, I, I did, wasn't stupid enough to realize some people are going to fucking think, hey, you're stealing our shit and making money off us. You're a prick. And that had, a couple bands have gone that route. Q, Q5, hates our guts, hates my guts. <laughs> so they rip off Witchfinder General did an interview in Snake Pit Magazine years ago. Fuck old metal. That's unofficial. Fuck them. We, you know, they need to die or whatever. You know, so some people, it is going to happen that way. But then a lot of bands that we did early on, like Sentinel Beast, we didn't have permission, got in touch, talked to the bass player, Michael Spence, it was cool as shit. Fucking um, Griffin, Flight of the Griffin. The guitar player got in touch with me and fuck, I don't know, the bass player got in touch with me. And he was totally cool. I sent him copies. I said, dude, I said, I'll be honest with you. If I'm out to bootleg albums and stuff, there's a lot more money and a lot of other different things than fucking Griffin albums. Sound Barrier. I mean, when I first put out Sound Barrier, I, I made 500 copies for most of these CDs. I moved like 60 copies of the thing. I didn't even make my money back that I put into it, but I didn't care. It was about having fun. It was about having my own Metal Blade records in my house. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. That's what I was trying to do. Yeah. And then I then I started getting lucky, and by then the internet's rolling. I'm, now it's getting a little easier to find people. I'm on the phone talking with Iron Angel. I'm on the phone talking with Heaven, who was on, who was on fucking... Um, Major label, uh, Heaven was on, what label were they on? Fucking, uh, how was that label they were on? CBS Records. They were cool as shit. Alan was a, the Steve, they were an Australian band. He was in, living in Texas. He was working for the PGA Golf thing now, and he was like, go for it, mate. He's like, nah, I don't want no fucking CDs. Put a fucking thing out. Let people hear it. Music's to be heard, and that's the attitude I have. Yeah. And you get somebody else, I'm going to tell you straight up, I'm going to use Laz fucking Rocket as the example. I hate these fucking guys. Oh, I, I don't give a fuck who knows. I told them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my partner went and played drums. I mean, went and played drums, went and played chess with the drummer. Okay, the drummer, Victor, was a fucking doctor in Maryland at uh, John Hopkins was where he was. He talked to Victor. Victor said, you can put the records out. You got my permission to put them out. Put them out. However it takes. He goes, you know, I don't need nothing. I'm a doctor now. That was years ago. Thanks for giving a fuck about the music. Now, looking at me, this was my partner. I don't like Laz Rocket. I'm not a big Laz Rocket guy. I like a couple songs on the first two. I'm all right, City's Gonna Burn, No Stranger to Danger. I was never the fire in the hole guy. I was never the fucking later records by the band. I'm not a Bay Area thrash guy either. So anyway, 
I did it as more of a thing for my partner who was putting up money too. And I said, well, sometimes I got to let things go. Cause if it was for me, last rocket would never have come out on my label. Okay. So anyway, I put out the records, everything goes fine. You know, Victor was totally cool. We're done. Well, then a few years later, that was one of the best selling ones. Last rocket was one of the most known bands I put out and we wanted to redo it. Well, by then I went looking for the band and I found the guitar player, Phil. And I said, Hey man, I called him up. This fucking dude was the biggest dickwad when I'm on the phone. First off, we talked one time. He's cool as can be. He goes, yeah, man, it's awesome. Thanks for giving a fuck about us, man. We thought people had given up on the last. You kept calling it the last. I don't know why, but it's the last. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, man, I'll, you know, hey, cool. And so I'm thinking, I don't really want this shit out, but I'm going to all the, you know, the groundwork for this label. Okay. So I tell him, we're going to print a thousand CDs. I'm going to send you 250 copies. That's your pay. You can sell them for 10 bucks, make $2,500, nothing. It doesn't cost you a penny. You got final say over what you want on this. If you want bonus tracks, you want cool. So I repressed No Stranger to Danger is the first one he wants to do. Now it's at the plant and all of a sudden I get a call one day. It's this fucking dude and he goes, dude, stop the plant. I said, stop the plant? What do you mean? He goes, dude, do not put those CDs out. I said, I've already paid for it. It's already probably on its way to me now. He goes, dude, can't do it. I said, what do you mean can't do it? Dude, I just put up like $1,200 to put this fucking thing out. What the fuck? And he goes, we're going to do it ourselves." Do it yourself. I said, dude, what? why didn't you tell me this before we did all this? So he right. didn't want to, he was like, nope. Then, then it got really lame. I fucking, he said, hold on, man. I got my manager on the other line. So he puts me on hold, he comes back, comes back, goes, hold on, I got my talent, my talent agency on the other line. So he's trying to like play all this, like, you know, <laughs> I know everybody in the industry kind of guy. I got my lawyer on line three kind of guy, you know? <laughs> I'm like, this is so fucking lame. And I said, dude, don't know what to tell you, man. I said, you're going to get your 250 copies. They're coming to you. You can throw them in the trash. I'm not throwing mine in the trash. This is my hard-earned money. We made a deal. Stick to it. Be a fucking man. All this and that. So he's like, dude, he's pissed off. Dude, lose my number. He pretty much tells me, lose my fucking number. I still sit on their CDs. Never hear from them again, okay? Not fucking four or five months later, their CDs start surfacing. Huh. Okay. Old Metal Records is the name of my label. Guess what their name of their label was? Old Heavy Metal Records. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I said, this motherfucker did not put this out on Old Heavy Metal Records. After old, old Metal Records. It's literally called Old Heavy Metal Records. Wow. I was like, what a fucking piece of shit. So one day, someone comes to me, and they're like, hey, man, there's a, one of the dudes in Last Rockets talking shit about you on this message board. So I went in there. It was this other guitar player, Aaron. He's like, yeah, I'll ring this motherfucking pussy's neck or something. So I went in there. I said, look, dude, hey, I know you know I'm not in here. But now I'm in here. If you want to talk, call me up on the phone. We can talk about this. You threaten people to the internet real fucking cool put your fucking iced tea down take a fucking chill for a minute let's talk about this i'll explain the thing he didn't want to talk to me didn't want to fucking know me told me he's going to kick my ass if you ever saw me i told him i travel quite a bit to the west coast when i'm out that way i will look you up and we'll, we'll see what the fuck happens then when we're said and done he didn't answer me we're done <laughs> so shit like that started happening with a band here and there the wild dogs one of the releases matt didn't play on he didn't sing on the reign of terror record so i got the guitar player on the record to help me out well he was cool totally cool with 200 cds at first and then i sent him to him and then his wife calls me his fucking wife calls me and goes uh, we'd rather have like the money for these. We'll just send them back. You just send us two thousand dollar check or cash or <laughs> what? you know. And I'm like, I'm like, what are you talking about? I said, could you please, could you please put the you know 
go on the phone and he gets on the phone and he's like, no, nah, no, nah, my wife makes the decision. I said, dude, your wife didn't make the decision we made before we did this. Yeah. He goes, well, I'm having a hard time moving these. I really need the money and all that. I said, dude, if you said this from the start, we would have, wouldn't have done it. I said, I couldn't have paid you money up front. I got to move mine too. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm basically robbing Peter to pay Paul to go to the next fucking project. And you know, this is how it goes. If it moves fast, another project comes out. This is how I pay for my next thing. He went in Steak Pit, again, fucking Steak Pit magazine, and fucking says that he never okayed this and shit and totally denied everything. And then now Laurent, who runs Steak Pit magazine, he, he wouldn't even give me a chance to give me a rebuttal. Let me say the truth about this shit. He's just like, yeah. So all of a sudden, we go over and we play fucking Vocking. This is around the time we play Vocking with October 31. This dude comes up to me and goes, you're known as the biggest bootlegger in America. <laughs> and I said, what are you talking about? It's old metal. Everything you put out is unofficial. I said, that's not true at all. So that's not fucking true. He goes, I read in Think Magazine, Wild Dogs and Witch Hunter General. I said, Witch Hunter General is true. I said, Wild Dog's full of shit. I said, he's a fucking piece of shit. And this, you know, Jeff Marks, the guitar player, I said, this did not happen this way. This is the truth. I said, I don't, I don't hide nothing. I said, I, if anything, I tell too much the truth. So, you, you know, you won't like me. I'm not trying to, you know, cover shit in fucking gold. This fucking dude was just a fucking prick to me. So I was like, you know what? This is not going to be fun. It's going to turn into shit. So then I just started doing all the stuff legit. And if I couldn't get it, then I couldn't do it. Yeah. And there was so much stuff I wanted to do. I just couldn't fucking do it anymore. I was like, I can't just take chances like this. I was like, you know, and even then I was doing it legit, you know, with, with last rock and shit. And they still want to fuck you. And mm. yeah, I mean, I had one day in Sleepy Hollow, which is Bob Mitchell, fucking attacker uh, back in the day. He told me, don't tell the band you gave me any cash. Don't tell them. You know, I'm like, dude, I don't lie. I can't lie to people to get me caught in a lie. I was like, I can't do this. He's like, dude, yeah. I, I'm keeping the money. They're not getting a penny of it. This is yours and my deal. Just don't. I said, I'm like, I won't say anything, but if it gets brought up, I'm saying something. Well, it got brought up. Somebody asked me, did you give Bob any money? Yes, I did. I gave him $500 cash and 25 50 records, whatever it was. And they're like, that motherfucker's a piece of shit. Then they kicked him out of the band. Huh. You know, and then he comes back to me, you're a piece of shit, you're, you're not a man of your word, man. We had an agreement. I said, motherfucker, I told you what the deal was. <laughs> so this is why Old Metal Records got less and less and less fun yeah. as time went on. Because I was having a blast for a while there. It was really good. I had a lot of good releases, and the last few have been superb. I mean, I got to do a lot of the Ebony bands, like especially the stuff I got to do with like Hammer, which was before with Holland before that, and in their their other band too, they had um, the uh, Fast Cuts. Those are all like stuff that they were like, man, nobody cares about us. I'm like, dude, I love these records. If nobody buys them, they don't buy them. Every one of them sold out. I mean, I pressed a thousand of all of them. I gave the bands copies. I've barely ever given cash out. I think Bob Mitchell got some cash, and maybe one or two other bands got a little bit of cash. You know, because I knew it was going to move. You know, I can't give bands money that I'm not going to have. I'm just not going to make a stupid business move because then it's over. Right. Right. But that—that's what it was. But I, I, you know, like here's another, here we go. We're going back to Sony. Remember I told you Sony bought out Relapse. Well, Oz gave me permission to put out Third Morning on CD. It's never been out official legally ever. It's always been a Greek bootleg of that CD. Well, I went to put it out. They go, dude, Sony just bought all our material from fucking oh, Blackmark Records. That sucks. So I'm done with there. And I had another band, Thunderfire, from Belgium. It was an old band I like. Many people don't know him or like him or care. I was going to do that last summer. And the fucking dude's like, he's still drunk. <laughs> he, said, <laughs> he said, when I drive sober up, I'll make a master CD and we'll put it out. <laughs> and I promise you, it was at least February of last year. I haven't heard from him since. He's a Belgium. He's just a Belgium banger. Mm. So I would love to keep doing stuff. You know, I, I'm all for it. But... 
it's just a nightmare. It's just with yeah. all this stuff going on. It's just like you're, it's like you're, you're walking yourself into dog shit. You know? like, yeah, yeah. There's dog shit. You're only go stepping it. You, you don't want to, but you want to put it out. You, you can't walk around it. So it just got, that's the true story with old metal. I like to, I like to have a day with that. I've, I've gone on Facebook and stuff. I've called some people out. Pat from Satan's host. He fucking lied and said he never got his copies from me and all this shit. I went there and he wouldn't talk to me on the board of Facebook, but he would sure message me on the side and tell me, no, no, I got my shit, but he couldn't back, you know, he couldn't look the fool on in front of everybody else's eyes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. If I'm wrong, I'll say I'm wrong. I mean, I can tell you, we can go through every thing on there. Q5, Witchfinder General. There's like two other ones that are like left open that we're never given permission. Like a lot of them through the years, like aggression, full treatment. We did that one. We didn't have permission. Now we're the best of friends. I mean, he was like, yeah, that's cool. Mm. Man, we know how it is, man. You know, it didn't make it. We weren't going to see a penny if he did or didn't do it. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I gave, I said, here's some copies. Here's, I got about 40 copies left, whatever I had at the time. Here you go. <laughs> I repress it. I'll give you fucking, you know, money. But none of that stuff made any money. I mean, you know, you, you can look at it this way. It used to cost about $1,100 to do 500 CDs. And then I realized it only cost $1,200 to do a thousand. So I was like, well, fuck, even for a hundred dollars at the 500 CDs sit there, they sit there. And back then in the day, you can look now because you know we're in a time where everybody's into the old metal stuff, but I don't mean the label. I just mean the old heavy metal sound and yeah. stuff. I couldn't, dude, I couldn't move fit for fight witch cross CDs to save my life. Excursion. I think I moved like eight copies of that when it came out. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to fucking not be able to eat for about at least two months <laughs> and stuff like that. I mean, it's true. And then I would give, I would literally my buddy Dave, who has his own thing, have you guys ever gone down to the Maryland Death Fest? We, yep. Yes, we have. Yo, do you know the guy? Do you know Dave's Metal? Dave's Metal. Dave is the guy who's always there, and he always has all of his CDs real cheap. But they're always like stepped on or oh, fucked yeah. up. He's like full. Yeah, you yeah. know him with a mustache? Yeah. Really nice guy. Yeah, yeah. That's the guy. That's the guy that played played uh, chess with the guy from Last Rocket. That's one of my best friends in the world. I love oh, the guy. Nice. But he he's he's a wild man in a, in a good way. I mean, he'll do anything for you. But that's the guy. And he would buy all this stuff. He'd be like, yeah, man, I'll buy all of them from you for whatever enough money to break you even. Says so if you never put it out. So like, if I'm like, well, man, I've only made 400 back and I put out 11, I need $700. He'd be like, give me those 500 copies for 700 bucks. Here you go. And he'd make, yeah, it would make a deal for him and he could sit on them and he has and he's made money 10 years later on it sitting in his closet one day going, yeah, I've got 80 copies of Sound Barrier. Now it's $85 on eBay and he's making his money there. But he lost his money for 10 years. Yeah. But that's how I did that shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it wasn't like any of that stuff made any money. I really think to this day, Laz Rocket probably sold the most. I mean, Laz Rocket probably did like 2,000 copies, but most of that stuff, you're talking like three, 350 copies. Mm. Tops. Mm. Well, I thought it was an awesome label, and I did buy a bunch of stuff off of that over the years. And, but right it, on, yeah, I just I just bought a guy's collection, a friend of mine's collection. I'm going to have a bunch of uh, shit coming out soon. A lot of old metal titles are in there that people nice. have been looking for and stuff. But this guy just was like, I got to make some money. He lost his job, and I told him I'd help him out. So I'm going to have a bunch of lists here coming out here soon. Let's get you in Facebook because aren't you? We're not friends in Facebook, right? We're just on the side there. Uh, uh, I think we're friends. I think we are. Oh, we are all of us all, uh, under that one name too. What is the one? What is the thing called? Grim. What is that again? Sorry, Grim Dystopian. Is that is that one one of our friends too? Yeah, that's us. <laughs> I know what I'm saying. Is that were we actually friends in there? I think I so. Sworn it, when I looked at it, it said we weren't friends. Well, we should be. 
<laughs> we thought we, we would. Like. I, 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 yeah, no, we, we, I mean, yeah, we're friends. We'd like to be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, we'll make it happen. I, right. I just think when I looked at that name, I think I went in there to put it at the top or something, and it said we weren't friends, and then it told me I had 5,000 friends, and I had to delete friends oh. to make more friends or oh, yeah. whatever. So, But I did. I went in there and like deleted, like, you know, fucking anal massacre, or, you know, <laughs> these people that don't exist. You know what I'm saying? I've deleted some of those, so I'll make sure you get in there. Right. What I'm getting at is you can see these lists. You know, I also make lots of t-shirts. I don't know if you've seen those. Uh, no. I, I'm really known for my t-shirts now. I do these one-off t-shirt runs. And, I, and basically, yeah, they're, they are, I tell people, yeah, these are unofficial. Even a lot of these bands I know, and they're cool with it. But I think these are one-off and stuff. And what started this was about four years ago on Facebook. And some of my friends, I mean, you know, being big guys, were like, yeah, man, they don't make 3X or 4X shirts. Some of these guys are like 5, 6, 7X. And they were like, I can't get that anywhere. I can't, there's no special order. And then all this shit. So I said, well, you know, I'm going to start doing some shirts for the big guys. So at first I started doing like whatever. It was just something typical that people were like, yeah, cool. Cause it only goes up to 2X at the concert. And I can't wear it. And I don't own it. And blah, 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 blah. Well, then I started this little club. I don't know if it was a club, but we kind of called it a club where I would do just one run of six shirts at a time. And I've done everything. Did you talk about old metal records? I've done tons of that stuff. I mean, people just, we just made some shirts a couple weeks ago. Like we made the first metal church album cover. People were like, I need a metal church first album shirt. And oh, nice. we made those and we did that. So, but I do those from time to time. And I just told them now I was going to sit off them for the looks. People always like, where's the next batch of shirts? And I'm like, dude, there's more important things going on in the world right now that have to save your money for than a fucking Lancelot link t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So, but now we do some we do some fun ones and they're dude, they're professional and shit. They come out really nice. I've done I've probably done like four or five hundred. I mean, I've done everything from Rock Goddess, Leather Angel to you know whatever. I've just done them all. That's cool. Definitely interesting. So we'll get you in what I'm getting at. We'll get you in there unless I'm stupid and wrong, which is, there's a good possibility of that too. <laughs> Actually, here we're gonna look right now because I have my. Uh, my tablet, my uh, technology tablet here. I'm the CPR friends real quick. All you right. can't see from there, can you? No. Uh... Are you guys wanting something like that? Probably no. than me. I don't have it open while I'm recording because I don't want the. Oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, well, let me just quickly look while I got you real quick. All right. Okay, here. I know you're at the top here. We talked earlier, so tell me if we're friends or not. And we are. Perfect. We are. See, I'm not saying we are. We aren't. Um, the, the correct answer is. We are not friends. Oh shit. Well, we need to. Be. We will be. Uh, when I go up, I can't do it on this thing, but when I go upstairs right. to my uh, my PC, my Frank, the keyboard that my Frankenstein fingers will fit on. <laughs> All right, perfect. <laughs> I will send perfect. it to you. I, I, did, I was wondering. I was like, what the fuck? And you were, you, were, you said we were going to talk about Lapland. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask you um, if. Well, there's a couple things. So, first, before that, have you seen the Greasy Strangler yet? No. No. Okay. So. Um, we used to talk on Lapland. I used to message in there a million years ago. Um, you you sent me "Let's Scare Jessica to Death," and since you haven't seen the Greasy Strangler, I'd like to send you that. Hey, I love to see the Greasy Strangler. You need, don't like it? You need to see this. It's the most ridiculous, insane, weird fucking. What was thing. your name in Lapland? Travis Bickle. Oh, of course, that's awful. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we we scarred Barrett with uh, Greasy Strangler. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, "What the fuck did you make me watch?" <laughs> that's fucking hilarious. Yeah, yeah you got to see it. Hey, I, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'll say, yeah, I'll send you my fucking address when I get off this shit. Perfect, perfect. 
Well, that's cool. No, yeah, the fucking line plan was fun in the day, wasn't it? It was, it was fun, yeah. Do you um do you talk to anyone from there still? I've still got I've got dear friends from that stuff. I don't know if yeah. you remember people like Up the Irons. Yes, yeah, I do. Josh, they're all my friends that when when we're when we're friends for real on Facebook. Nice, <laughs> nice. Up the Irons is in there. Fucking Lap is in there. Brian Lapunsky, he's in uh. there. Um, fucking Aaron Cra- Aaron J. Kramer, remember him? Yeah, yeah. He was like one of the mods, I think, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, some of those people went on to do some weird shit, dude. You remember King Caesar? Yeah. That dude killed his parents, dude. He's in jail oh, for shit. life. What? Wow. That dude fucking killed his fucking parents. I went. He hated me because I'm like King Sally. He's like, I think it's your fucking real name. My real name's King Caesar. I'm like, your fucking name ain't King Caesar, right? <laughs> so I went out. We played a show in Chicago. I think is where it was. Yeah, it was. And he fucking came to the show, man. He was like, you know, you know this as much as I do. Most people on the internet ain't like their voices on the internet. Yeah. And I'm all like any shit. Like, yeah, man, what's up, man? Come on, man. You was talking all this shit on the fucking internet. And I'm just fucking with him in a good way. And he's all quiet. And he's like, yeah. And then he goes on. Yeah, King was real cool. And now we're buddies and shit. Then like three weeks fucking later, dude, he fucking killed. He stabbed both of his fucking parents in their sleep. Wow. And killed them. That's crazy. Holy fuck. It was him. And you remember Slippery Ike? Yeah. Yeah, it was, those two were the ones I met them at fucking Denny's in Chicago, dude. Wow, that's. But uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of people in there. Metal Trucker, he's in there. He yeah. just had fucking open heart surgery, man. Oh wow, wow. You remember? You remember Ross? He was crazy. That motherfucker's out of control, man. Yeah, yeah, I remember him. <laughs> he would start a lot of problems. Him and um, Bukaki. Bukaki didn't like. Oh me yeah, either. <laughs> I remember Bukaki. <laughs> I'm not Bukaki's still not my friend. He's. I see him in there, Phil. Whatever. He. We don't. We don't uh-huh. talk much. How about his Rand- How about Randall Flag? I I think he disappeared. I really? really don't know what the hell happened to him. If you if he, yeah, I I don't know. But mm. there is there actually is a Lapland page in Facebook, but it's barely anybody fucks with it. Oh wow! But like you know, some of the people are still there. Like um, uh, Mike Busher's in there, and he play, he fucking plays in High Spirits now. Hmm. Uh, he was on there. I don't know if you remember. I forgot his name in there. But also, um, there was one more I was thinking of a second ago. Shit. Oh, fuck. There was one more that was real. It was one of the classic names. I can't remember it now. But uh, Andy's in there. You remember Andy? Hammer Whore? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's in there. He's on my Facebook page and shit. They're all, they're all dear friends, Carlos. There's a lot of people. I don't remember some of their names on there. That's been so long. But... Yeah, yeah, they're fucking really cool people. I, yeah. I always love that. It was the first yeah. place I ever went to on the internet, dude. Yeah. The only reason I went there is because my fucking son, when he turned eight years old, he had to have a mandatory computer at his school, and I fucking uh, bought him one, and then fucking Mark and Mike were on Lapland, and you know, there's this place called fucking Lapland, and there's a dude in there, and his name was Armageddon's Child. Remember <laughs> this guy? No, I don't remember that one. This guy, Mark, Mark said, I'm going to bring you a printout of what he says, because I was not an internet guy. I was like, fuck the internet. I'm fucking playing football, hanging out with chicks. I ain't got time for all this shit, right? <laughs> and so fucking, they brought me this fucking paper, and it was like, this dude was like, I kicked King Crowley's ass at Napalm Death at Jack's in Virginia, and he's a pussy and all this shit. So I, I went in there, and I called the dude out, and like, up the irons, Josh was like, this ain't King Crowley. He wouldn't be in here. And I was like, this is me. He goes, what pinball machines do you have in your living room? I'm like, Kiss and Charlie's Angels, motherfucker. <laughs> he goes, this is him. And I told that dude, uh, his name ended up being, I think, I, I don't know, was, I can't remember his name. But anyway, he uh, he admitted that he it was full of shit. He goes, oh, but at the end, he had to cover his own ass. He goes, oh, I just did this one a bet. I told him I could get King finally to come on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Oh, shit. But there's, they're all, there's a lot of people in there. Domain Malevolence, he's in there, Roy and all them. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, you remember him? Um, I'll get you in there. Who wasn't? Uh, wasn't Mike 
Uh, what was he called? Creeper or something in there? The Creeper was Kevin Lewis. He was the guitar player on October 31. He's on my page, too. Okay. Uh, Creeper was in there. Hellstorm, which is Brian from October. It was, it, I can't remember all those names. I wish we had some of those pages, but he lost it all. Wasn't Mike from Deceased in there at one point? Yeah, Mike was in there for sure. Mark, too. Chainsaw. Yeah. You know, Ross yeah. was in there, too. Uh, Loco. Loco's in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Loco's on my page. Elioid or whatever. Uh, you say that name. Wow. I just call him Loco still. <laughs> the Puerto Rican camp. <laughs> yeah, that was fun times. I met a lot of those guys now. I met a lot of people. Paul was in there. I forget what he was. He was a guy. You would know him. He would do his heavy set. Hmm. That, was, that was fun times. Well, was a long time ago. It was. I was going to say, yeah, I was thinking Travis Pickle. I was like, that's my left set, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Good shit, man. That's fucking fun. Well, we really appreciate you talking with us. Oh, absolutely. I thought you fucking made my Saturday night. It's fun. You made our I've been watching Me and my wife have been watching like hundreds and hundreds of hours of horror trailers. And I've seen every <laughs> horror trailer ever made. So it's just like we're flashing back. And my, my wife loves them too, but it gets a little much when it's like 36 vampire ones in a row. Or like this is just truly sucked. <laughs> that's all we can do too, you know? I mean, yep. fucking, we're, just, we're just cooped up at home. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Next time you're here, we'll have to meet up in person. We will. Absolutely, we will. All right. You no, know so, we will. Sounds great. Count on it. <laughs> sounds Enjoy great. your night, guys. Yeah, right. you Thanks, Thank you. King. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. What a great start to the third season. Indeed. Lots of fun. Yeah. Uh, so let's end on a high note. All right. And play another October 31 song. Let's. But before we do that. Okay. <laughs> stay safe stay healthy and don't be an asshole here's voodoo island off of bury the hatchet <laughs>